my friend says caffeine's a drug. I said, oh, tell your friend, fuck you. I want to be a buddy with Just a little breakfast. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to another motherfucking episode of Breakfast Punks, a podcast about coffee, donuts, DIY punk, and pretty much anything else we want, brought to you by Sham City Roasters and Deadbeat Donuts from Hastings. I'm Siobhan. And I'm Dave. And this is episode eight, where we are deep diving into the world of insane clown posse and juggalos, or juggalism, as juggalism. we're calling it. <laughs> because why not? Um, we'll get into that later. <laughs> And we're also going to be discussing the, the Insane Clown Posse film, Big Money Hustlers. From 2000. From that 2000. is, you know, amazing. And we'll we're, really, we're really going deep into this juggalo shit today. So uh, throughout the programme, uh, rather than drinking a coffee this, uh, <laughs> this, episode. this episode, we're going to be drinking some Fago, which is the official drink of the Insane Clown Posse, or unofficial drink of the Insane Clown Posse, it, I think. I think it's the unofficial drink, but it is. they have very few things that are to do with them. But they're very keen this is on very them, important. and they're very keen on this fizzy drink. <laughs> um, we're going to be start. We've got different flavors, which will be which we'll be drinking throughout the episode. Whoop, whoop. I'm probably getting fuller and fuller of sugar, being that this one can has seventy four percent of the oh, total sugars Christ. that each of us are allowed in any given day. So it's we're going to start with a delicious black cherry. Oh, that sounds all right. It says it's got some natural flavours in it. No, it hasn't. It's got red 40 and blue 1. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know what fruit they've come from. <laughs> well, naught grams of fat. Oh, so, that's what it's about. That's the sound of... Oh, my Christ. <gasps> it's like... Oh, it's bright pink. It's luminous pink. <gasps> oh, actually... Oh, it's it looks like bad. Ribena. But well, Ribena, Ribena's not very good. No, it's not very good, is it? I, let's see how we go. Oh, it's, it smells like sweets. <laughs> Oh my god, it, it does. Are you ready? You ready? Chin chin. Chin Actually, chin it smells indeed. like it's going to be alcoholic, but it's just whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Oh, it's actually. Uh, it's all right. Well, do you know what? I could even, I could even think this was juice. <laughs> it's not. It ju- does just taste like fizzy mm. ravina. Mm. Actually, that's quite. I was expecting something far sugarier than. That. I think once we get onto the other flavors, I've seen what they are in our fridge, and they look <laughs> disgusting. So. As well as a uh, Fago, the unofficial official drink of the Insane Clown Posse, <laughs> we are also eating what we. Well, I looked up what Juggalo food was. By eating, you mean eaten? As We've well. eaten, and I feel very it's, sick. Yeah, we're not, we're not um, doing too well. So when we looked up what, um, we'll get into all of the Juggalo stuff later. But they have this gathering, which is basically like a big carnival where they serve loads of food, and that's pretty much the only food I could find related to Juggalos. Um, so it's all like carnival food. So we made some vegan corn dogs, and they were really great. They were but great. I feel quite sick now. Yeah, We've they eaten were. Quite a lot of bad sausage for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't okay. think there was quite enough sugar. In them, so I'm glad we're getting the Fago to yeah, like, no, even, uh, even ourselves out a little bit. We got all the fat, now we're getting naught grams of fat, but plenty of sugar. Oh gosh, <laughs> if I throw up mid episode, I apologize to everyone. I think it'll be very appropriate for this jugglerism episode. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with some music anyway, uh, n- not juggalo music. No, no, uh, we, juggalo won't, we won't actually featured. be playing any of uh, any of that at all. We're going to stick with our usual, uh, yeah. usual uh, palette. Um, and we're going to kick off with a song uh, from Harker. Uh, who are from Brighton. Um, 
This song is called The Beast Must Die and it's from their forthcoming album which is coming out on the 23rd of April. It's coming up through a bunch of labels, Wiretap, Disconnect, Disconnect, Shield and Fixing a Hole and you can pre-order it now from their Bandcamp or from their website. Check out Harker, they're fucking amazing. Uh, We've had them in Hastings a couple of times Mm. and they're always really good live Mm. and uh, this album sounds fucking banging. Um, They sent me two songs and I just couldn't decide which one to put on so in the end I just went for this one because it was a fucking banger. So, uh, yeah, this is The Beast Must Die by Harker. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. First bit of news this week. Uh, not, we are, not juggling. Yeah, you, by the way, news is going to be juggalo free <laughs> for this little part of the episode. If you weren't keen on the juggalos, you'll be okay. If you came for the juggalism, what you're going to get is not nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get back to it. Um, so, my first bit of news is very self indulgent. Um, the Deadbeat Donuts merch has all been ordered for everyone who did their pre orders. And so I imagine that will all be in in the next couple of weeks and I'll get it all posted out to you. Thank you so much, everyone who has ordered T-shirts and the coffee. The coffee is going to be roasted fairly 
Soon. Or whenever the t-shirts are ready. Yeah, that's true, you, sorry. You give me the go-ahead and I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the coffee's going to be sent out when the t-shirts arrive. So coffee is still pre-order only, but you can still buy it. T-shirts that, I'll put back on sale once I've got my extras in. And that coffee will be a continuation, right? Yeah, we're going to carry on doing the coffee. So the idea is that people who are buying donuts quite regularly or in, just locally... I can bring you coffee as well. We can always bring you coffee. We can always yeah. bring any Shamsi roasters. But this roasters. Is special donut. But now we've got donut coffee. shop blend. It's going to be very cool. So, yeah, just a big thank you to everyone who's already ordered. It's really cool. I can't wait to see my T-shirt. Cool. Well, I have a bit of Chicago news. Of bit course. random, but I just found two bits of news that were both vaguely based out of... Chicago the band? No. No. Chicago oh, the, the What a shame. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now I should find some Chicago news, really. Um... Somebody has just started releasing a load of videos on YouTube um, called the Fireside Tapes, which are videos that they made um, in the late 90s for the most part, although it looks like it might be going a bit further than that uh, time-wise, uh, from the Fireside Bowl in Chicago. And uh, it's all it's very late 90s emo heavy, but they're really great. They're really cool. They're kind of, they're, you know, they're lo-fi. It's just someone with their camcorder, more or less, but they've come out really well. Hmm. Um and there's loads of bands on there. Braid, The Promise Ring, The Get Up Kids, Unwound, Alkaline Trio. Oh, um, stop it. And, uh, and there's a really good one from Los Crudos as well, which is a bit different uh, music-wise from all the you other You mentioned them before there. in your uh, documentaries. Well, I mention Los Crudos very oh, regularly, I'm do you? Sure you do, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then carrying on with a, a late 90s emo Chicago-specific news story. That's quite a theme. Yeah, well, whoop, whoop. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> the um, the band Karate, who are a fucking brilliant um, but really difficult to describe band from Chicago in the late nineties, and they went through till like the mid noughties I think. Uh, they were on Southern Records, and they just got, or not just, I think a little while ago, they got all of the rights to all of their releases back uh, themselves. So mm. they're in the process of releasing them. They're all going up online at the moment. I think their first album and their first seven inch are up on like Spotify and everything. I think there's plans for them to release all this stuff on vinyl as well. Uh, karate were really, like I say, really difficult to describe, but they were kind of almost like a jazzy, almost a bit easy listening, but re- but that doesn't do them justice at all because it's like really interesting music with really amazing like vocal melodies over the top, really mm. interesting lyrics and stuff. Um, it's a guy called Jeff Farina whose sister is married to Ian McKay and is in the Evens oh. and Kariki. Um that's about all I know. I remember yeah. when we had the cafe, the cafe playlist that I feel like is synonymous with sitting in the cafe now. The few songs that you had on there by Karate, I remember they, every time they came on, I was like, who is this? Because it was mm. just nothing like the rest of the playlist. But yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, really it's like really, it. It's really, it's really weird stuff, but it's really interesting. It's definitely worth checking out. So uh, just have a look. Karate on Spotify. Nice. My next news story is wrestling related because we don't seem to be able to pass by a pay-per-view <laughs> of wrestling without mentioning it. Um, well, we're so... going to have to add wrestling to what this podcast is yeah, about. This room. <laughs> Nor do we claim to be any uh, knowledge of it. But, you know, we're going to talk about WrestleMania, which is the WWE's biggest event of the year. It's their biggest pay-per-view. And usually it would have their huge fan base turn up for it and it would be like mega, mega, mega huge. Mm. And, yeah, this last year... Last year, they didn't have any fans at all. It was this kind of weird, closed... They pre-filmed loads of things. Um, It wasn't much of a live event as much as it would normally be. Whereas this year, 
It was the first live event in America to have I think it's the, the fans back in. Yeah, I think Maybe it's the, the first world? sporting event of... I'm not sure in the world. Well, definitely not in the world, because Australia's been open for a while, hasn't it? Like, oh, yeah, that's true. So, but I think in America, I think it's the first... I don't know if it's the best, first big sporting event, event to have people back. Really? Or big, biggest, like, uh, crowds, I guess. They had 25,000 fans back in yeah, the stadium. Yeah, it was a bit weird. You, It didn't appear like anyone was social, socially distancing. Really. <laughs> not quite, no. They did have masks on, although... A lot of them didn't when they, went to the, <laughs> when they went to the crowd, or at least they didn't have them on properly. And, yeah, it was really hard to see because the crowd was kind of blacked out a bit. Like, the lights, yeah, the lights really weren't really them. on. And I don't know whether that was just because of the stadium, but I initially thought it was because there was only, like, a handful of people at the front and they were just they just, like, made the rest of it dark to make people presume yeah. that there was people there. But there definitely were people there. Yeah. And... I, so I don't know, maybe they knew that most people probably wouldn't be wearing masks and they didn't, <laughs> they didn't want to get told off, I'm not Put really those sure. silly brothers in the... Silly brothers? Silly, silly buggers brothers. in the dark. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it was it was strange to watch, I, I thought, in that context. Because on the one hand, you would think it was like... like Definitely what they were going on about. Like They had the uh, owner came out at the start and was like, oh, it's so brilliant to have all you fans back. And it was oh, all about... Oh, his top. face. Sorry. <laughs> He's had some funny old work done. Anyway... <laughs> But despite that, it was almost like it wasn't. They didn't really show the crowd very much. So, so having watched yeah. wrestling for quite a while now with barely any crowd, like with AEW, we've talked about this before, sadly enough. Um, they've always had like their wrestlers at the side of the ring, yeah, like making a noise and and, stuff. and they've had minimal crowd back for a little while now, yeah. for like five hundred people kind of thing, yeah. spread out really sparsely. But what I mean is, this didn't feel any different to just having some wrestlers at the ring. Really, it did a bit. Did well, that's a bit unfair. I think it did, in as much as I don't know. It was weird. There's this one fan that is in every single. <laughs> if you've ever watched any WWE match, um, he is smack center every time. You know, he's a bearded chap in a um, in a green t-shirt and a in a and a cap, and he's always there. So if you've watched any match, you know who I'm talking about. is obsessed about what he does with his life. He must have money. He must he have is money. At every it's single raw. And yeah. SmackDown match and pay per view, like, like a banker, and or he something. is paying for the middle seat <laughs> on that side of the ring where the camera is. He must be loaded. There's more than one, isn't there? There's another. Well, no, the other person's not there anymore. No, but there were. There used to be another one, but there is another one who you don't. I don't think we see all that much, but he dresses as a clown. He's Stop not a juggler, I must say. He used to go out with Mick Foley's daughter. What? How do you know this? I know, it's a really weird thing I read. I can't tell you anything else. His name is definitely someone the clown. I'm really uh, pretty sure that he's not a juggalo, but he is always at these events. And every now and again, if you, if they like go into the crowd or something, no or they way. have a fight on the, you sometimes see him. He's not. He's obviously not got as much money as the man with the green. Oh, he's not the he's front. Like, he's like, but he's still got a lot of money because he's like four, four. Well, he's at everyone. That's yeah. I mean, that costs some money. Speaking of money, the um, no <laughs> money, motherfucker. Money, motherfucker. No. Um, <laughs> one of the um, wrestlers on the second night, Randy Orton, who's really, really, really um, one of the longer-serving wrestlers, and he's actually mm. genuinely really good, had to pay twenty thousand uh, pounds dollars for all of his family to be able to watch him really? because they didn't give him any free tickets. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure he's got it's fine. Yeah, I was about to say he's got the money, but yeah, that's one of the news stories I saw come out about WrestleMania today. That's bonkers. Is yeah. that because did they not? allow family backstage I suppose because of Covid but it's not even backstage no no but I, but I, I more mean like, oh, if, like they're gonna to let, if they're going to let wrestlers families in I suppose they wouldn't just be sitting in the audience oh yeah no that's true they? you can't have them all there 
That's but for whatever reason, he wanted them to be there. So he there's only like four I don't know or five why because his match was a crock of shit. Yeah, his match was really bad. Uh, so he had a match with this guy Bray Wyatt, who's kind of like a horror character, and he has a friend with him called Alexa, Alexa Bliss. Bliss, who used to be kind of like a cheerleader type of person. And yeah, now, she'd be like bratty, but, yeah. but really good. Yeah, she's great. But yeah. um, but they've now made her into this sort of hot topic, uh, goth girl. Who sometimes vomits black goo for some reason, but it's it. I quite like that sort of shit. It's like really, is they showed a bunch of stuff that they've been doing on TV and the run up to it, and it's obviously like they've been doing it proper, like a horror movie. Yeah. But the match, I hit the idea of this guy Bray Wyatt is that he can't be hurt by anything, so people, you know hit him with a car or something and then he just gets back up because he's a because he's supernatural yeah. or whatever. And the preamble to this was that he was set on fire. Yeah. So Randy Orton thought he had like died. Yeah. Well not died, but like and then he came and then he... back to life for this match yeah. and then shed all of his he came, he comes out with like burns on him. That's it. And they CGI'd and... him walking through a corridor and then he yeah. suddenly didn't have burns on him. Yeah. That was, <laughs> it was a bit really shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's supposed to be unstoppable and basically what happened was the woman that he came out with, they had a big like weird it was really cool actually. They had a big like jack in the box thing that he came out of that they set up fa- next yeah. to the ring. And she just appeared on it at one point and she was like sat cross-legged and she just had some brown, uh, black shit coming out of a little crown on her head. Yeah. I don't know why, just like pouring down her face. And apparently, therefore, he couldn't continue with the match. And we then the other guy just... staring at her. Yeah, and the other guy just did his finishing manoeuvre and then he won and that was it. Yeah. So... It was weird. I mean, I haven't read all of this article, but apparently um, that, that that decision was changed just a couple of days before, yeah. which I think is the theme of this WrestleMania... Because I think, I think the theme a lot of, of WWE full stop. Everything yeah. I ever read about WWE, it's like Raw was going, uh, had started, and they hadn't worked out who was going to be in the main <laughs> event yet. So. I'm not sure why. I think it's well, just because Vince McMahon is a limited. Isn't, isn't it true to say there was a uh, four four way tag team uh, women's tag team match on night one, mm. and on and whoever won that was going to go for the women's tag team title on night two. Yeah. And they'd accidentally released a poster that showed one of the teams for yeah, them right. for night two. So you already knew that those two women were going to go through. But so they what they did is, it. well, they eliminated them first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were the first to get pinned on night one just because they'd made this cock up. And but that just shows how, like, really quickly they'll swap about. Yeah, I think like, it's. I think it's just like a bit chaotic. I think. I think it's because. Vince McMahon is a seventy-eight-year-old yeah. man who's dementing. Yeah, I was about to say, and, it's but one... he's also a, like Donald Trump psychopath who exactly. just is in control of everybody and everything, and just can make people, you know, jump if he says how high. That yeah, make sense, but you know. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, but it's so true. It's just like if he says it's going to be this way, then he's it's going to be that way. Yeah, which is a shame. Speaking of which, the amount of women that do not look like how they looked a year ago. Yeah, and I mean, you hear all this kind of like gossip about, you know. Certain people in WWE, i.e., Vince McMahon, asking women to yeah, have modifications yeah. done, but some of these women really—they just look completely different. It's it's quite sad. Well, I think as well we've got quite used to this. I would say it's not it definitely is way more so with the women, but I think generally speaking in wrestling, we've got used to watching AEW. Which mm. I think we've said this before on this podcast. Like they have much more normal-looking human beings, and they're more and there's safe. Mu- yeah, and there's much less. There's much less pressure on... I think I feel like it's a much more modern mm. outlook on body um, image. Yeah. So where, But whereas in WWE, they've still got this crazy man that just likes, you know... Big boobed, blonde yeah, women like, with massive fillers in their lips. Yeah. But in fairness to WWE, that's not what everybody looks like anymore. It definitely was. Mm. I say in fairness, that's not the right word at all. No. But 
you know, I remember when I used to watch it in the 90s and early noughties, it was like every woman had... They just... They could have been the same woman yeah. because they were all just forced to have the same plastic surgery. It's a bit more... But whereas I do think there's a little... I mean, I think I suppose just like the modern world has caught up yeah. with a tiny bit, but it's still not really caught I up think with it's, him. I it's think. really divided in as much as someone has told him, go and get these gnarly-looking women. So you've got a real big divide between... Um, there's this woman called Rhea Ripley. She's mm. quite young, but she's tall and she is hench and she's really scary looking. Then you've got Nia Jax, who's massive. Mm. She's like a big Samoan lady. Um, you've got Tamina, who's back, and she's quite big. And then you've got... Um, who was Nia Jax's partner? Who's that uh, boxer? Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler, who is scary as fuck looking. Well, she was so, but it's interesting that you... Because you're right about all of those people, but two of them are daughters of his mates. Yeah. So I think that's probably why they've been allowed. In, yeah, true. Um, Nia Jax, uh, not Nia Jax. Um, Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler was an MMA fighter. Yeah. Who I think was mates with uh, Ronda, Ronda Rousey, Rousey, who they yeah. desperately wanted to be in WWE. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that's why, but I do, I do sort of think. I don't know. I don't think he's let them in because he's got any respect for them. I suppose is what no. I'm trying to say. I think he's he's let them in because of for different reasons. But. Maybe. In, yeah, but in saying that, the the upshot is all those four women that we've named won their matches or are a part of winning mm. matches yeah, yeah, or yeah. um or are really respected. Yeah. So it is like the upshot is they are quite the influence is going to be that strong women are going to be encouraged. Yeah. Totally. But not necessarily by the man who's seventy something running that company. Well, I think as well because there's and I don't really understand exactly this, but there's NXT, which is where a lot of those people came from, which is their kind of like small league. Yeah. The one that's like the when, build when, up when, Yeah, like when people first start there, and so Triple H is in charge of that. Mm. And I don't think Triple H is probably the nicest person in the world, but I think he's definitely much more forward thinking as far as Teensiest and bit. you can tell if you look at NXT, it looks like it looks more like AEW, yeah. like the type of people that they've got on there. I think it's very interesting when. Uh, I find myself saying, oh, in fairness to WWE, they have changed. They've done this. Like, so they had the main event that was two, the first two black women, um, whoever. Uh, to ever be in an event on WrestleMania. And I found myself saying, oh, wow, isn't that isn't brilliant? That but then actually in reality, because it's not, it's not based on competition, this thing. No. It's based on just the whims of someone who says, oh, you're going to win and you're going to be in this yeah. place on the card or whatever. And so actually I find myself saying, oh God, yeah, but they have moved on a bit, haven't they? But actually, in re- well, in reality, it's all just fucking made up anyway, isn't it? Yeah, so... Well, they cre- but they've created their own racist culture yeah, in that it's like a, it's like they, they're an extremely racist company who have done a Finally. tiny amount for yeah. like their own race relations by just yeah. making up a different storyline. Yeah. And like, I don't know, do you really, do you pat someone on the back for that? I feel yeah. Like probably not, actually. And it's easy to get sucked into it a bit. Because it you is. Sort of, cause you want, because as well, the people themselves are obviously probably really cool people. Yeah. You want to be like, oh, it's so amazing for Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks to have headlined yeah. WrestleMania. This is incredible. And of course it is for them. But in a lot of ways, it's still all of the, all of the problems yeah. that, that go alongside WWE specifically. But I think the wrestling world, full stop. Yeah. You know, I, I remember like a few years ago, it was amazing that the that women headlined WrestleMania. That was like the yeah, that, but that thing. was only a couple of years and ago, that wasn't, wasn't that it? Long ago at all. Uh, but again, it it's kind of like well, they've only not headlined WrestleMania before because, of... because the, you haven't let them. Yeah. Because you know, because up until about four years before then, it was all just sort of like beauty queens who weren't really allowed to even learn how to wrestle, exactly. let alone actually try and be competitive in or you know sporty in any way. 
I mean, they've only just got a women's tag team division. Because yeah. they've only well, finally then, uh, let enough women in to be able to do it. But they haven't really. Well, no. <laughs> they're, they're because those tag teams were all just like people that have been clearly plonked together for no apparent That's reason. True, yeah. Just because it was like, oh, you have, you're not on the card yet. You're mates with her, aren't you? You just yeah. become a tag team now. <laughs> Let's like, get a storyline going quick. Or but not. There, well, there, was no, <laughs> there didn't appear to be any storylines to any of the matches, as far as I could tell. No. I'm sure I mean, we haven't watched it, so that's a bit unfair. That's, I mean, some of... I don't know, some of the matches were good. The Bianca Belair one, I really liked that purely because she won the Royal Rumble, mm. which means you get a chance at a title at WrestleMania, mm. and then she won it. I just thought that was... So you've kind of seen that story, though, as well. I well, feel yeah, like. we have seen the story, but it's... Those are the only things we've seen, but I know... But it's mean. equally how it's meant to go, like, because yeah, yeah. sometimes the winner of the Royal Rumble can be a bit of a joke, and you think, oh, God, well, they've won that, but they're not going to win the title. Yeah. Whereas this was a bit more like, oh, who knows what's going to happen, and her match was really good. Um, I quite like the Kevin Owens-Sammy Zayn match. That's and, interesting. And yeah. I like the well. Again, I've not seen any of it live, but they showed a, a sort of um, the build up, a build up thing. And and Sami Zayn's character is like a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, and he's he's really going for it. You can tell, and he's and he's like he looks a bit like he looks he insane. Be, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but I thought their match itself was pretty good as well. And but I yeah. think I, it's probably just because I like both of them. Do you like Sami Zayn? Do you have a soft spot since he picked you up to lesson Jake when we saw them in Florida? Yeah. Dave uh, is is beaming with the memory of uh, we were no we went to see we went to Fest uh, um, in Tampa which is where um, a lot of the WWE stuff's based isn't it? That is where NXT oh. is based, I guess. And so it's where the um, it's where WrestleMania was this oh, year yeah. in Tampa, and we were watching Less and Jake at pre-fest. And two things, Paige was there, who's one of the wrestlers from Norfolk, and I'd literally Dave told me about her the day before. I yeah, hadn't watched yeah. WWE in years. And you were like, oh, someone from Norwich in it now. I was like, no way, amazing. And then we went to the uh, fest and he was like, she stood right next to you. I was like, you are kidding. (laughs) And then um, let's Jake start playing and there's a mosh pit or whatever. Or it's not mosh pit, is it? It's little little dancey times. And all of a sudden Dave's been picked up and taken away by some man. (laughs) And he comes back and he goes, that was Sammy Zane. I was like, I don't know who that is at this point. But um, yeah, I was quite drunk. I can't pretend to remember it. I know. And uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I sort of remember it happening vaguely. So I feel yeah. like I want to like Sami Zayn matches no matter what, but Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, their little friendship on-off mm. thing has been quite nice to watch. It's in so the last telling that these seven what, sort years. Of people, all of these wrestlers are, that we saw them all at less than Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <Do> you know, <laughs> it tells people of a very a specific age who have very specific, you know, teenage experiences. Well, even Sami Zayn's entrance music is still this happy-go-lucky ska music, yeah. even though he's like this conspiracy nut that's terrified of the company that's out to get him. Yeah. I feel it like doesn't really I, work. I think that's lazy, laziness on their part, isn't it? It's just like, yeah. well, he's got his music already. He's got his music. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of it overall? Overall, oh, I feel like it was an okay... It was better than last year, by some way. Um, I enjoyed that no old wrestlers were brought out to do one move and win or lose a match, yeah, i.e. The Undertaker yeah. or Goldberg, because yeah. I am done with that. And actually, they did have a few old wrestlers, but they were all just in like really, really shit, but they were all just in backstage skits and things like that. Yeah, that's it. No one, no one came in and did like a... A, ch- a charity punch and then and then no. got knocked out or anything stupid or won that way. And um, what I would say is the kind of um, what would you call it like the token nonsense. If it isn't now old wrestlers who should be dead, it was Latin American singers who for some reason now do wrestling moves. Um, and I'm talking about Bad Bunny. That match was amazing. Yeah, he was really really good. <laughs> and it probably shouldn't have 
been as entertaining as it was. <laughs> but it was amazing. So, but I, I don't really know who Bad Bunny is, but no, he's apparently uh, Latin America's biggest, biggest selling... uh, musical star. And he's, yeah. he, he raps. It doesn't sound good to me. but Oh, it um, doesn't sound like... Any, but that's, but that's given, fine. I'm, I've only listened to... Well, he yeah. came out in Royal Rumble because he was the performer at Royal Rumble. And then he... I don't know, someone smashed into his DJ's equipment, <laughs> and so he, that was the build-up to the storyline. smashed up his DJ's Oh, equipment. maybe. And so he basically, he got to do a big jump off of the top rope, and it was really good. And so then... We talked about that on the podcast. We did talk about it. Because we compared it. it to Snoop Doggy Dog's much Over. worse, oh. much worse jump. Where you, where you go, please don't die, Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> but anyway, then Bad Bunny gets to be in this tag team match with Damien Priest, who is wearing a fine outfit. Oh, he's fabulous. Of I don't know of... whether he knows that he's as fabulous as he is, because he looks like a really scary, muscly, Carny, tough man. yeah. But um, he is... Came out fabulous. in the f- most fabulous gay bondage. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, array on like the top, bright purple. purple PVC trousers. <gasps> he looked amazing. <laughs> but anyway, those two are in a match uh, against uh, Miz and John Morrison, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know who they are, to be honest. I know who Miz is, but I don't know who the other one is. And they let Bad Bunny do some seriously ridiculous jumps. He was almost the one who worked the most in that match. I he did, like. he and he sold the it the most. Yeah, he yeah. really sold it. He did. There's this move called the Canadian Destroyer, where it looks gnarly as fuck. It's like this weird. You grab each other, and it looks like someone does a backflip with someone else, and they land on their head. And it looks like if it goes wrong, you are going to absolutely screw yourself over. Um, but we learned not that long ago via watching um, someone quite young doing it to someone very old on AEW, and they said, "You just hold on, and we'll do it." And basically, the person who looks like they're getting the move delivered to them is the one actually doing all the work yeah. and the person who looks like they've done the move hasn't had to do anything so it was in the AEW case it, it was basically a 70 something year old man <laughs> yeah. doing it doing apparently to like it a 20 year old that he was muscly. doing some sort of amazing like, yeah. gymnastics but actually he was just hanging on for dear life <laughs> while the other guy kind of did it for him really. but the amazing thing about that move is it make you can make someone who is not very good or very uh, talented look like they're amazing and doing this horrible move and that's what they did with Bad Bunny and he sold it so well and it was just so good and I just thought actually even if you're not that bothered and you for some reason know who he is it's it's worth a watch yeah I thought it was, yeah that was quite cool but yeah how about yeah, you I mean overall I thought it was nice to see some fans back like I say mm. I didn't I felt that was a bit weirdly presented but a couple of times it did sort of feel like oh that's so nice that yeah. actually it made them it feel like the world was going back to normal even if it was actually just WWE not really giving a shit about anyone's health. Yeah, just doing, they yeah, haven't the whole time. Just, yeah, just trying to make some money. <laughs> but I don't know. I think having watched AEW for a while, mm. the, there's certain things that I do actually think WWE is maybe slightly better at. I mean, there's definitely production things that they're a lot better at. It's a bit like listening to Green Day in comparison to listening to the Kimberly Stakes. Like, it's almost too polished in so many ways and so whilst I appreciate like for example one thing that I did notice was I thought that the um, commentary was a lot better because I think AEW does not have a very good commentary no Um, it has one guy that's kind of trying and is capable and then it has a really old doddery man who who I think is dementing and another (laughs) one who's really lovely and kind of nice but doesn't really well he doesn't look that (laughs) interesting yeah he just seems like a bored middle aged man yeah Um, middle aged is being kind (laughs) Um, (laughs) he's far older than that um, 
But the thing is, is that it's like the roughness in AEW that yeah. I think I kind of like a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's weird. It, I couldn't help but just compare the two. And in, But the one thing that I definitely think, um, from what I could see, and like I said, I haven't watched any of the TV in the run-up, is that WWE, both their characters and their storyline, for the most part, were just so boring. Mm. And like even, like, there's like people in it that I quite like, but their characters are just like... I'm just a person, you know. I'm just someone who wrestles. Yeah, which is fine. You want a few people like that, but you need a you need a, and that's why Bray Wyatt stood out so much. Yeah, because he was doing all the twizzy shit with his, with his like black goo and yeah. his funny CGI <laughs> and stuff. But it was like that was really the only moment where actually there was kind of like a big production. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And and I and I sort of thought well, it's WrestleMania like. I don't really like WWE, but I would watch WrestleMania because usually it's sort of this massive spectacle. Yeah. And I felt like this year was surely the opportunity to do a massive spectacle because there was people back. Yeah. They've had a year sitting around on their thumbs. I mean, I think part of the problem is is that they've got rid of half of their most of their crew. Yeah, they cool. sucked them all as soon as COVID started. Um, which you get, you know, I mean, there's a company. I think it's a despicable place, mm. to be honest. Oh, yeah. And I don't really... I would never support it. We only watch WrestleMania because we can, you know, accidentally get it for free. Oh, yeah, not paying Some for sort that. of non-illegal means that I'm not going to disclose. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know. I, overall, I kind of enjoyed it. I think two nights was too much. I don't think... You know, I, I'm not that big of a... So much of a fan of wrestling that I want to spend four hours on a Sunday and four hours on a Monday yeah, watching wrestling. Yeah, an awful lot. And if we hadn't decided we were going to talk about it on this podcast, I probably wouldn't have bothered. Yeah. I probably would have just read the results and been underwhelmed, to be honest. Speaking of underwhelmed, um, how many WrestleMania main events is Roman Reigns going to A, B in, and B, win? <laughs> and yeah. still be really boring and unlikable? I think he... But I, so I think... <laughs> What I've read about Roman Reigns, because we haven't watched it, but I have sort of kept up just uh, flicking through the internet, really. I think, generally speaking, he's considered to have really improved vastly. Since he turned like to a bad guy, yeah. it suits him much better. He's got Paul Heyman as his manager, who's a really good kind of manager that's been yeah. around for years. And he's got his cousin who comes along with him and yeah, kind of gets involved with his match. And I thought he was really good. I thought yeah. the cousin played his role really well in that match. So I think that in fairness to Roman Reigns, we see him still as that person that they always wanted you to like, but was too boring to like. Yeah. But actually, I think he did his role of being just sort of like a muscly baddie. Yeah. Who was always, you know, was going to beat everybody up. Yeah. I thought he did that pretty well. And I think I didn't actually mind him winning, funnily enough, partly because he was the youngest person by far in his match. I mean, he was going up against yeah. two people whose entire storylines were basically, this is our last chance. Well, both of them have, have both of them have been medically retired for breaking yeah. their necks. Yeah, exactly. Like, Edge and Daniel Bryan have both broken their necks yeah. and both been told they will never wrestle again. So just from and the perspective of, like, <laughs> passing the torch a little bit, at least he's, I don't know how old he is, he must only be about 30 or something. Yeah. And so, I mean, at and least he's... Leukemia twice yeah. in the last five years. So no, I was quite. I wasn't too bothered about him. Yeah, actually, yeah. to be honest, I thought he was all right. I didn't love it. But now you put it like that, I can I, just about cope. I also quite enjoyed their match. I was worried for Edge because every time uh, there was a there was a straight um, <gasps> shot of his face, yeah. I thought he was a corpse. 
Because <laughs> his entire face he's is so just sunken. sunken in. I don't know what the fuck He's got is... no cheekbones. Yeah. I'm really worried for him. Because he looks amazing in a way, but then he also... Well, also sort of looks like maybe he does need a bit more fat on his body. His skin's falling off. Yeah, so he's yeah. kind of... Uh, I, again, I feel a little bit like we talked about Edge's his body. <laughs> yeah. Last time we talked Sorry, about Edge. So maybe we should move on. But, yeah. But in, yeah, in conclusion, in WrestleMania conclusion. was okay... I wouldn't probably rush last. out and watch it. Well, I'm going to just um, go with one more story, which sort of does slightly touch on the Juggalo theme. Oh, yeah. Um, that we've, <laughs> we've done a very good job That I promise we're going back to, for those who are keen. <laughs> um, so I read an article in which multiple psychological studies have supported an idea that your musical preferences are actually linked to your cognitive styles mm. and the way you think and react to the world around us. And when I read this, I thought to myself, oh, this is brilliant. This is just going to show, like, if you're into, you know, if you're into punk music, then you're going to be the best human. Not the case. It turns out out that um, to be very empathetic, you have to listen to mostly R&B and soft rock. Um, That is fucking (laughs) horse shit. And it it says, and also... Soft rock? So they describe it as a type E individual. Uh, Soft rock and R&B, and you're also gentle, warm and sensual. No, but if you sorry, soft to... rock. What like the Eagles? There's no one soft R&B sensual. Soft rock. I don't know. No. They... Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, my R and B. I just think like R Kelly. I don't really know. What R... <laughs> he is not R... empathetic. R Kelly and the Eagles? Are you kidding? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> so those who prefer intense dimension genres, this is so fucking psychological who... bullshit. The person anyway, who made this is not an empathetic. No, this is but this is multiple. So this is more than one person. People that prefer intense dimension genres such as heavy metal and hard rock tend to show a bias towards systemizing or logic-based thinking. So it's not an insult upon those of us who like heavier music. It just says that we're not very empathetic. But we're logical. Hmm. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you... I don't think I put punk... I have to say, I think punk isn't really heavy metal in the context of a psychological discussion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think people listen to heavy metal. Not, I think, I'm sure there's loads of overlap and we all listen yeah, to yeah, loads yeah. of different stuff. I mean, I like a little bit of soft rock. I like an awful amount of soft well, that's, rock. We must be very empathetic. But, maybe, I think I'm in all of those things. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that everyone is all of those things because the vast majority of people like a lot of different styles yeah, that's of music. True. So yeah. in that respect, this psychological study, sorry, these multiple psychological studies are oh, yeah. a load of shit because I am empathetic and I do like heavy metal. <laughs> I am so, empathetic. Fact. Listen to me. Whoop, fucking whoop. Whoop, anyway, oh, whoop. The reason why I bring that up in the context of Juggalos is I'd have no idea what it means. Oh. If you like horrorcore rap, I don't think that you're empathetic I've, or, or not, logical. I, I think I think Juggalos maybe are empathetic. I think Insane Clown Posse are not. We'll get into that oh, well, later. That's a hot take. <laughs> so oh. I think that's probably enough uh, classic news. And now it's time to move on to some... Norfolk news, whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop, my juggalos and juggalettes. <laughs> <laughs> whoop whoop. Whoop. I'm gonna. Whoop. Whoop. I don't fucking know. Um, I don't know how to do this. Uh... Can you say motherfucking money in Norfolk? You got my motherfucking money. <laughs> You didn't really, you didn't really get the money bit. Well, that's because that's how the juggalettes talk, and I'm from Norfolk, and I no, it's all gone. It's all gone. So, as you can probably imagine, there ain't been much 
juggalo news in the last two weeks in Norfolk. In fact, <laughs> I'm quite I... surprised by that. I'm surprised well, Yarmouth doesn't have a, I... have a contingency wow. of uh, jugglers and jugglets to report uh, upon. Well, I might not have found their website, but I ain't found no juggalo evidence in Norfolk. Full stop. Yeah. Not in the news. Not in the EDP news. <laughs> um, so they're they're keeping quiet and they're they're obviously looking after each other keeping and not causing themselves. not causing a stir. So I thought I would just look up what clownans, clownans, <laughs> clownans, <laughs> have been going on in Norfolk, and I was taken back to a story from 2013, when I don't know if everyone remembers when uh, it was a thing to dress up as a clown and jump out at people, <laughs> and it really took Kins Lynn by storm, <laughs> so much so that the police had to um, make an an announcement in uh, November 2013. People in the Norfolk town are being advised by police to ignore any clowns they might stumble across. Police have vowed to hunt down the clowns to offer them strong words of advice, <laughs> although they have stressed that dressing up as a clown is not illegal. Oh, well, tell the FBI that. <laughs> Urging townsfolk not to give the clowns the satisfaction of a reaction, police have said that is just what they're after. Um... Ian Ashford from the fancy dress shop Castle Costumes <laughs> in Kings Lynn. What's Ian got well, he's been himself? quizzed because he's the local. He's the local sharper. That's, that's he's, he's been clowning. Well, he's, he's clowning. Well, he he sell the outfits, you see. So obviously the police gone knocking and said, "Oi, Gubbins, are you been selling? You've been selling those local <laughs> well, pranksters." That's not illegal either. Well, no, but they they got um, they got a statement from him. Poor bugger. He said. Uh, he had heard rumours there was a person going around dressed in a clown costume, and his statement is, well, no-one's come in and bought a clown costume from us. I had no-one come in and buy one since Halloween, and it is November, <laughs> so it ain't, it ain't Ian Ashford in well, back in 2013. Off, November could potentially only be a couple of days after <gasps> Halloween. Do you think he was lying? Well, no, but I think that someone could have quite easily bought a clown costume... At Halloween. At Halloween, yeah. and then kept hold of it. I mean, what do you do in Norfolk with your Halloween outfits on the 1st of November? Well, have they have they been decimated by the party the night I before? I think that's or something? probably the case. That was probably <laughs> the case. Well, I followed this up a little bit just to see if there's any other news. Intrepid reporting. 2016 in Kings Lynn. Would mm. you fucking know it? They got the clowns back. A 15 year old girl was chased by someone wearing a clown mask, prompting the police to appeal to the public for help. In the in the latest string of clown craze incidents, I mean that actually sounds quite. Unpleasant. He said we did have this, we had this problem with people dressing up as clowns before, <laughs> and whilst people might think it's funny, I'd like to urge people not to do this as it can cause alarm and distress. Fair enough. I mean, I've got one nicer clown uh, um, news article. That's from 2020, so not everything oh, in 2020 you. was that bad. <laughs> um, the World Clown Association. <laughs> Met in Lowestoft um, in 2020. <laughs> this world that they're talking just about. Just before does COVID. Does it involve the entire world? Or well, is it just a, people from the greater North? Clowns from across the globe have gathered <laughs> in Lowestoft in February. God, During they COVID? Be, they must be oh, fucking COVID, no, it's just, pre, it's just right. pre, isn't it? Um, and they, they were talking about... Because I think they dress up as clowns and they just go wandering. Well, they probably wandering. do. If you went no, to the clown convention, no. you would definitely dress as a clown, David, right? let me finish. <laughs> and they stay, in, as in they go out and like dress like it. They don't, they don't take this stuff off. 
They learn like, in all they sorts of tomfoolery um, from one another. Is it how they sexually identify? As a claim. Is it that sort of a clown? I once went to a, um, I once went to a gig in Bristol, and we stayed in a weird hostel. Yeah. And it wasn't a weird hostel, it was a normal hostel, except that they were having a furry convention, and everybody apart from us were furries. David. And I'd never furry? seen them before. What's the People that sexually identify as animals. Oh. But they dress up in... When I say... I mean, they're almost like manga-looking animals. It's not like they don't think they're an actual fox. They think they're kind of like a cartoon fox. I might be getting that wrong. If there's any furries out there, I apologise if I'm getting this wrong. I reckon there's some Norfolkians that reckon they're with a furry, but it's just an excuse. You know what I'm saying? No. Oh, you mean they're fucking sheep and things? Or do you mean their husbands look like... I, I, I think I was trying to go with the with the former, but oh, okay. I, I, I wasn't that funny. It wasn't clear. Uh, no. <laughs> or maybe it wasn't. <laughs> just, it wasn't clear to me. Well, I don't know why I started telling you about these furries, but it's what I imagine the clown. That's why it's what I imagine the clown thing to be like. I can imagine they like have a load of sexy clowns. Oh no, they don't. I David, they take it very seriously. They're not very sexy, I would no. say. Although they are galloping down the. No, they're having a nice time. They said all the reaction we've had has been positive. We don't. We just don't feel any negativity. Hear this, David. Well, if you were a clown, people you hear this. People are more scared of bananas than they are of clowns. <laughs> and may I say, I second for, that. For the record, that David is terrified of bananas. So that's a, that's a, I'm a hundred percent. And I'm not that fond of clowns. Oh, no, I I have a weird love hate relationship with clowns. Actually, I'd like to you've be always clown, told me that you hated clowns, and mm. then one day you came running into the cafe and said. Siobhan, there's a giant clown in the road and I yeah. want to buy it. It was I nice, said, though. I thought you were him. terrified of clowns. Yeah. And now it's on our wall. Anyway. Yeah. And you've got it tattooed on your hand. I, I don't claim to make sense. Well, that was Norfolk News, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we play a song? I don't really know what happened there. Should we give everyone a break from us for a bit? Yes, let's have a song. This is Max Motherfucker. Fucking brilliant name. Motherfucker! Sorry. <laughs> Max motherfucker. Motherfucking money. Motherfucking money. Whoop, whoop. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll reserve jugglism for after this. Sorry, Max. We're really ruining you. <laughs> this is Max Motherfucker with Are We Alive? It's from their self-titled 7-inch released in December 2020. It's the singer from a band called Christmas who played Bex Hill um, yeah. some years Hayes ago. And they were really good. He's played with them. And, uh, yeah. And they've got an album that's... A new album just out, come out through TNS Records. They're fucking great. But uh, I love his solo 7-inch. But He's um, from Germany? Yeah. They're Saarbrücken. From Germany, Saarbrücken. Saarbrücken. Sorry, anyone who heard that. <laughs> no, you don't, say, you don't have to say you've not learned anything from the jugglers. You don't say sorry. You just say whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Smile! 
this is for juggalos and juggalettes. Do not try this at home, and I hope you like it. Whoop, whoop! Welcome back to the Breakfast Punks podcast. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to crack into our second can of Fago now. This one's called Red Pop. It's a bit weird because the last one had Red 40. Yeah. This one's also only got Red 40, but it doesn't have Blue 1. So I suppose oh, that's why it's... Bright red so it might be exactly the same. This one's got 140 calories. So it's Ooh, less. slightly less. Is um, it still 75% of your daily recommended? 72%. <gasps> so if you're going to get involved Hello. in fagoism and you're worried about your weight, I'd get the red pop, not the <laughs> black cherry. For those who are in Hastings, it's Hastings News and Wine opposite um, Priory Meadow. Yeah, the American Sweet Shop. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was amazed. Oh, so actually we should tell this story quickly before I crack open this beautiful can of fago. <laughs> uh, we were walking down Queen's Road, which is the road that leads into Hastings Town Centre from more or less where we live. And um, these wonderful boys, they must have been young. I don't know where these boys hear about yeah. the insane clown posse because they could have, I reckon they were teenagers. And one of them was just jumped out of a shop and he was on his phone ringing his mate up and he was going, mate, mate, they've, they've got Fago, they've got Fago. And, I, and we were just like, what the fuck? You're, you're making him sound more excited. He was more like it was serious. Oh. He was like, they've got Fago, I repeat. They've got <laughs> was it? Yeah, that's what he said. I, don't know, I, re- I remember him. More, I remember him I saying, remember "I remember him repeat. in full clown makeup, though." So I think that's. Oh, just he, my, yeah. that's you've, just my... you've got a lovely delusion of fantasy <laughs> where everyone's. You see, you see juggalos everywhere. I never see any. I love. I love. Yeah. So anyway, Fago. Delicious red pop. Oh, listen to it go. To that. I wonder oh, what colour it it's going to be. The last one made a, a more... Oh, oh, a bit of a fizz. I'll, I'll hold it up to the microphone. What is that? I don't think... Oh, oh this one's... Is this not the same <laughs> colour? Oh, no, it's not the no, same colour. No, that is... So this one's really deep red. This is... If anyone's ever had a dragon soup... Oh, it is. <laughs> and how it? artificial that looks. Yeah, it does. It definitely... This <laughs> ain't no panda I mean, pop. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it is... Oh, it says naturally and artificially flavoured. Oh, the other one was just natural. Oh, this one's strawberry. I didn't even realise. Yeah, you're not going to enjoy it. All right. Ready? Whoop, whoop. Whoop whoop. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't oh. taste of very much considering how much fucking sugar's in it. I mean, it just tastes of kind of weird sugar. That'll do. Yeah, Red Pop. You could put some booze red in that. Red Pop from Fago. Red Pop. <laughs> so. <laughs> About the time to why are we, actually... Why are we, why are we drinking all of this fucking Fago? Who are the Jamalos? The reason we're drinking all of this Fago is because of two human beings oh I feel like we're giving them alright two clowns yeah well <laughs> they are human beings <laughs> so we're concentrating more on uh, juggalos today I would say but I think it's probably important to go back and sort of talk about juggalos are the fans of a band called the Insane Clown Posse I'm sure most people are aware of that um, well I don't know because no? I, I was aware as a kid like I'm mm. trying to remember where you first saw Juggalos, <laughs> because thing. I'm not actually sure I can really remember. I think they got kind of mixed up in a world of Slipknot and murder dolls and all that kind of shit that happened when yeah. I was about 14. Yeah. And I'm fairly sure that Insane Clown Posse kind of crept through around that awful end of new metal in the like early 2000s. Um, and that's where I think I saw them. And they very much just came and went and I paid them very little attention. Well, I think... So I can, you? I can, well, so 
So I own an insane clown posse. Album. Yeah, but that's recent. I saw you buy that. It's not recent. No, no you have not. Have you always owned that? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so I can tell God. you exactly. What, I mean, I remember it really clearly. Um, I read. <laughs> I had my face painted. <laughs> I was I was supping on Fago. <laughs> I was at the front. And I kept shouting whoop whoop at my nan, and she said. <laughs> So I, she said, motherfucker, where's my money? my money? <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> this Fago juice is so full whoop, of sugar. Whoop. Last, the last whoop, episode, whoop. we were high on various medications. Now we're just high on fucking sugar. In fairness, my corn dog illness has gone away. <laughs> but. To be replaced by a Fago illness. <laughs> yeah. So I remember that I read an article probably in in a mainstream metal magazine. It would have either been Kerrang! or something similar. Yeah. Um, about this horror-themed rap, like gangster rap. It would, I, I don't know exactly how it was described, but it would have probably been described something like that. Yeah. And I loved horror movies, and I loved, like, you know, I was well into the Misfits and stuff. I liked yeah. a bit... I, horror punk is a, uh, you know... A, a lot of it's a load of shit. But it, I can I can imagine exactly why I would have read what Insane Clown Posse were completely out of context and thought, oh yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. That sounds alright because yeah. I quite like hip hop, and I really like horror movies, and it just sounded quite cool. And I'm I don't know if it mentioned. I don't really know if there were Juggalos at this point because yeah. it was the album that I had is the Great Malenko, and that came out in 1997. So it must have been, I don't know, it, there might have been a delay for it coming out in the UK, but it would have been 97 or 98, for yeah. sure. And I just would have literally just gone to the HMV or whatever. And then, please, um, Mr. HMV, yeah. can whoop, I have, whoop. whoop whoop, can I have Great Malenko? <laughs> yeah, but not in a Norfolk accent. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can't say that I hated it when I first listened to it. <laughs> But it also didn't last very long. You know, it wasn't one that I looked... I've still got it. I've got the CD, I suppose. No, but, I mean, I doubt there was ever a resale uh, value to it, in fairness. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's how I first heard about it. And that's mm. 1997. And I thought that that was kind of... And maybe this is more from a UK perspective. I think that was the time when they were breaking, like, big. Yeah. When there was, like, a mainstream following well, that's, I mean, for them. Well, I mean, all that kind of, like, crappy... Yeah, metal it was very and... much. It was the new metal era. Yeah, it's like. all it's all happening. But yeah, one of the things that I watched uh, about the gathering, which mm. was like an advert for one of the years, um, the bands that were like lined <coughs> up were just those exact bands that you're talking about. It was head Mush- PE, Mushroom it? Head, Head PE, Soulfly, POD, Soulfly were like yeah. a headliner, and oh god, there was a bunch, and there was a bunch of them that were like names that I'd heard of. But definitely wouldn't have heard, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but anyway, so it was all those sorts of really shit metal bands. It all yeah. goes, it all kind of goes hand in hand a little bit, I think. Mm. Um, so the Insane Clown Posse, uh, often abbreviated to ICP. Woo woo. Woop woop. Um, <laughs> Can I just sorry? And also, <laughs> before we get into this, to stay we're never going to start this. Really. We are not <laughs> fans of the Insane Clown Posse. We did. We're only. I'm OG ninety seven motherfucker. As a rule, we're not exactly <laughs> crazy fans, but this this whole world of juggalo stuff is quite interesting, and that's the only reason we've kind of delved into it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really complex subject because there's a there's a big difference between the insane clown posse themselves and the and things they're... that they stand for and the various problematic aspects of them, both as human being and as musicians. And then their followers, their followers who also have a lot about them, which is somewhat problematic uh, to a lot of people, I think. 
and it's sort of it's a I don't know there's just a real disconnect between the two which I think is what we'll probably end up talking about yeah but anyhow so the Insane Clown Posse were a hip-hop duo are a hip-hop duo or a horror rap duo they really. call themselves horrorcore horrorcore that's it except or... they don't call themselves <laughs> horror so there's some confusing <laughs> things there they basically rename everything for themselves yeah. so they call what they make um wicked shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i do hor- think is a brilliant genre well horrorcore already exists because um didn't they i read somewhere grave diggers yeah. who are a couple of members of wu-tang clan yeah. who put um, clown paint on or skull paint on they claim to be horrorcore artists. There was a guy but, called Necro as well. That yes, was like quite an early person who did. But that then well. ICP come along and say, "Oh, well, we do something like that, but we call it wicked shit." Yeah, and uh, there is a slight difference, I think, in as much as uh, Insane Clown Posse's music is not as good. <laughs> no. but, um, but it's also there's a tongue-in-cheek element to some of it, although mm. that's definitely not always that's there. questionable. There's um there's but there is in there from a cult, from an overall perspective. They, there is an element of comedy involved with Insane Clown Posse yeah. that I can say for 100% sure there's not in the case yeah, of Necro. I know yeah. that much. I don't know enough Oracle. But I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of people that take it very seriously. It's kind of like the difference almost between like a standard grindcore band who take themselves very seriously and like Anal Cunt. Yeah. Who sort of who are very problematic for a lot of reasons, yeah. but actually do have a bit of tongue in cheek and there yeah. is something there. Um. Anyway, Insane Clown Posse were found in Detroit in 1989. They were initially called the Inner City Posse, and they changed that after after experiencing what sounds a little bit like a sort of... Well, I think they were already worried that they sounded like a gang, which was quite funny, because they don't. Mm. But, which I think was one of the... Because re- there were gang problems then, so I think yeah. people seem to think ICP really was something to be scared like of. Detroit but these are two nerdy boys at school who were outcasts and they weren't anything of the sort. Mm. Um, and so, but yeah, no, there was a weird um, story where, I think, what's he called? They're Joel both called Joe. Joe, aren't they? No, uh, In real life, they're both called Joe. <laughs> Joe I mean, Bruce and Joe Ulster. Yeah, but let's not try and stick to their real names. Well, no, but that's what their names are prior to this Yeah, event. I suppose so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, they're, oh, I don't know, they must be about 14, 15, 16, and um, one of those ages. And... <laughs> They're at a house party or they're at something. Maybe they're just at school. I don't know where chips and dip might have been their lunch for that day. But basically a bully took their chips and dip and instead of getting sad about it, he just had a vision of (laughs) a cloaked man on the stairs and his idea from that was, oh, that must have been God. And Mm. him coming to me at this moment means that that bully taking my chips and dip doesn't mean anything and that life's going to be okay. And from that moment, from that, he calls it a vision, many may argue a hallucination. Yeah. Um, they or changed just their some, name. Something he made up. They changed their <laughs> name to Insane Clown Posse and decide that they're going to, and this is what I quite like, they're going to own the fact they're outcasts. Yeah. And they're going to make it their thing. So I think one of the things was um, their mum used to have a really, one of their mums used to have a really shitty car and used to be, they used to be quite embarrassed of being driven to school in it and they just decided, no, fuck it. Mum, make sure you drive us to school in that crappy beaten up car. I mm. want everyone to see how rubbish we are because we own it. You can't, you can't tell me I'm shit if I already know. Well, that also, shit. that also comes down to this pop <laughs> that we're yeah. thinking now. Like, Fago was, or is, uh, just a really cheap, it's kind of like Panda Pop in the mm. UK or something. 
but it was all they could afford. So as yeah. a result, they made it like this is our special drink, and this is all that we everyone drink. go drink it. And I think that there is there is def- that's a definitely really important part of their story is that they they call them flubes, and I don't know if that's their term or if that's uh, like a natural term that's used in America for sort of I suppose f- for want of a better description like white trash. Yeah, flubes and scrubs. I thought about scrubs as well. And and a lot of what the insane clown posse sort of talk about in that context is that they came from really like bad backgrounds. Both of them had really poor upbringings, and they kind of owned that. Is their is their idea? What what and and like for the juggalos, who are often from. A similar background which is very presumptuous and you can't say that about everybody but I think um I don't think that's completely unfair to say that's obviously quite inspiring because mm. it's like two people that came from and I suppose that's true of an awful lot of um music isn't it yeah people that have worked their way up from nothing people see themselves in that I should yeah. say that we got a lot of uh, the information that we're going to be talking about from a really good book called Juggalo Country uh, which is written by someone called Craven Rock. It's not his real name, but I don't know what his real name is. It's on Microcosm, uh, Microcosm Publishing, and he's actually a punk. So it's sort of from a. It's someone who went to the uh, gathering of the Juggalos, and just kind of hung out there for a weekend yeah. and wrote a book about it. And that's a. It's a really good book. So we've so a lot, some of the ideas that we're going to talk about from that. Mm. So Insane Clown Posse come with a massive fan base. I don't know how it... It must have been a gradual build-up, or I'm not really sure. But they have a huge fan base, and they are called the Juggalos. I don't know if they've named themselves Juggalos, I think or... It, I think it comes from their songs. I, I think they. I think they've been talking about all of this stuff, all of these words that, like, wicked shit, and, yeah. and whoop-whoop, and Juggalos, and all this stuff. I think it's comes from their music and I suppose it's caught on over the course of time and something that we may mention a bit later about um, Insane Clown Posse is their music is very it talks about being a big family family they say family quite a lot like that they do (laughs) I say their music doesn't talk about that's that's where one of the many it does a little bit here and there but where one of the many disconnects come in from Insane Clown Posse is most of their music is like standard horror-based uh, gangster rap. It's all, yeah. it's all, and there's like it's really problematic. You yeah. know, like the 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 words that they use, the the songs are all about killing people and doing all of this, yeah, like unpleasant things to people. They're really like misogynistic, re- um, really homophobic, um, and yet. Juggalo culture is all about loving each other mm. and accepting everybody, and it's again, it is. There's definitely a lot of areas of it that are really misogynistic. I'd say I'm probably very homophobic, actually. Um, although I think that's changing over time to some extent, but it's difficult to say that from an outsider's perspective. But that's certainly the sort of impression that we've got from uh, kind of researching all of this stuff. But there's a real real disconnect between the words that they say on their records. Like, mm. There's a few of their songs that are really specifically about this stuff. There are definitely some songs that yeah. are about, like, this is our song about the, you know, gathering of the juggler, jugglers yeah. and how we love each other. And um, when they were made a gang, they made that song about if we were a gang, yeah. we would do all of this horrible stuff that we don't really do. And so there are the occasional songs here and there that are kind of more specific and I think as time's gone on they've probably done more and more songs though but definitely like the original batch of songs yeah so the insane clown posse when they started they set up this 
um, storyline almost, although I don't really see any story in it. Basically, they're just collections of songs about killing and murdering people, but they've each got a different Joker-themed character yeah. on them. And they do work up to the last album, which is something that I think a lot of people heard about at the time when it happened, um, was that it all turned out to sort of be a religious thing and they said that you should follow God. <laughs> which I think confused a lot of people. But they, but then even since then, like their message is so bizarre because it's kind of like, we believe in God, but we don't really believe in all the things that supposedly God said. Well, like We don't believe in what, what you all call sin and so yeah. we can do whatever we want. Yeah, we can basically. do what we want. But also, the songs themselves don't have anything to do with spirituality. I mean, they do here or there, but for the most part, their songs are about murdering people, getting laid, and yeah. sort of, and then like occasionally, and again, the other thing that they're particularly famous for in the modern times is that song "Miracles," which is all about how they don't understand how scientific things work, <laughs> and that that got that caught on because everyone thought it magnets. Was hilarious. How do they work? <laughs> Well, I've got a couple of things written down. So, um, Violent J had a vision of spirits, clowns and ninjas and spread the word of the Dark Carnival and the afterlife of the Juggalos. And that's what it's about. He yeah, but it's not, at, what no, I'm no, saying no, is it's not about I that. know. <laughs> what I'm saying is they're encouraging this group. So, it's, it's kind of similar to a religion in as much as what they're saying is follow us about and be a Juggalo and you'll have a great life. Because I think they say in live yeah. freely, live happily, don't be confined by your upbringing and your like poverty or whatever and you'll be um you'll all be you'll all be fine. But it comes from a vision, I put that in in uh quotations because he basically has loads of hallucinations about spirits and clowns and builds the entirety of insane clown posse on that. I mean, I also like think all well people do. I think it's also important to say that the only way to get they call it Shrank Shangri-La they call their heaven yeah. that they're going to get to Shangri-La. Shangri-La. And uh, the only way that you can do all of these things that you've just described in sort of a way that sounds kind of like nice is by buying all of their merchandise. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's very much a top-down kind of... It's Scientology. It is. It, <laughs> there is I mean, there's not... So it's interesting because there are... You could compare it to a cult. It definitely isn't a, a cult in the context of how I think most people would view them. But it definitely is a way for them to sell their, their shit. stuff, yeah. And and I think one of the really problematic things about this, and again, this is like a bit presumptuous to say, but generally speaking, most of their fans come from a very poor background. Mm. And there is something quite unpleasant about their sales tactics. Because when you look into it, so for example, there's a few things that I've noticed. One is that most of their albums... They boast a lot about how, like, in a world of uh, where um, digital media is taken over, they still sell hundreds of thousands of mm. CDs. Um, but they do that partly because, I don't know, because they just release them on CDs and they've got this rabbit following. But also they release, like, three or four different versions of every album mm. with slightly different covers. And they do all of that sort of stuff. And they So uh, one of the things it talks a lot about in the book is that everybody at the gathering of the Juggalos has to wear their clothing line, which is called Hatchet Man clothing. Mm. And it's all exactly what you would expect. Very big shorts, very yeah. big um, sort of garish T-shirts. And uh, he says, like, anybody not wearing hatchet gear Isn't at the gathering true. kind of gets, like, told off for it and stuff. Yeah. So you've got, like... And there's 20,000 people at the gathering of the Juggalo. So, I mean, if they're all doing that, that's literally how these people are making their money. But the sad thing is, is that these are the same people that are probably... That are literally, I mean, it says 
in the book again at the gathering and you see this in a lot of the films that people have made like people are literally like selling off selling off all their belongings just to be able to afford to come home from the place yeah. which is quite a romantic idea in a way it's like they love this band so much that they've just sort of they've got there by hook or by crook and that you know and they've spent all of their money like just having a good time it's really nice in a way but on the other hand it's so weirdly corporate and so weirdly yeah. and I, yeah I, th- I do think like their sales tactics might compare somewhat to Scientology yeah for sure bit. it's not pleasant and so I mean I suppose that brings us to like so the the juggalos themselves um in the uh, so in the book uh, that we read um the guy kind of chats with an awful lot of people and actually weirdly also in some of the uh, there's a lot of um there's a lot of people that have gone to the gathering of the juggalos and made little tv shows about it Oh yeah, and and like you know little YouTube clips and stuff, and actually some of the people this well one of the one person particularly this guy called Fuckstick, seems <laughs> to, he seems to he seems to pop up in a lot of them. Fuckstick. So he's pretty cool. He's got a he's got his face is just entirely. His face tattooed. is like a big tribal tattoo. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. He's very well. And his name's Fuckstick. Um, <laughs> but generally, yeah, the impression that you get definitely from the book, and uh, and I think, is that these people are from very poor backgrounds. He does, he uses a term that I don't think I'd ever really heard before of like rural poor. I suppose it's those people that it, he describes them as almost like these people that have just been forgotten about. Like they live in the middle of nowhere. They have no, you know, they've not had a good education. Mm. A lot of them don't have jobs. And I, I think um, I've seen a few things about when there was a big problem in America with OxyContin. I've seen a few films about it and they often go to these places that are just like, they appear to be like nowhere towns. There's probably a, a thousand people living there yeah. or something and they're miles and miles and miles and away from all... anywhere else and loads of them are on, you know, are on sort of prescription medication and stuff and there's a lot of drug problems, there's a lot of alcohol problems, there's a lot of sort of social problems generally in these places. And like I say, it's not something that I've got any um, idea about really, so I'm not, I, I can't really speak of it, but but the the guy in the book he he kind of came from that sort of a background and he describes a lot of like he can understand where a lot of these people come from mm. and i think one of the things that i find quite unpleasant about the media's view of juggalos is that particularly um in recent years they're just sort of uh, a group of people to laugh at yeah. and and when you go if you go on youtube and just like type in the the gathering of the juggalos say there's loads of people that have gone and they're just like these smart, posh, white people yeah. who've just gone in there Hipsters. to kind of ask them funny questions and stuff. And I feel like, I think Vice did a, a relatively all right um, version of this. But I think they have also, they've done a lot of stuff. There's, there's quite a mainstream, uh, particularly after that Miracles video came out. Mm. And, and I understand it. Like, it's it's hilarious, uh, you know, like, particularly that that thing. But... There does seem to be like a real discrimination against these people to me. Yeah. Like if you hear juggalos, you, you, it's they're hilarious, but actually, you you know that's how people view them. But I don't really think that that's a fair. I don't know. It just seems really discriminatory to me that it's it's these it's just it's just poor people that haven't had a very good education, and we're all yucking it up about how stupid they all are. No, and it's not pleasant, but then one thing that book talks about, which I think is um, going to forever encourage it, is that Insane Clown Posse, I think there's some mention in the book where the main difference between this sort of 
gathering or, or, or group and like some cults is leader the leaders of the, some regular cults encourage you to be intelligent and to still pick them yeah whereas in saying clown posse the whole point of them is to say accept that you are uneducated accept um that you don't know any better celebrate it and then yeah. do not get any more intelligent yeah. and that's the whole point of the song miracles it's them at the marvel of things in science that they don't understand yeah. and the reason people laugh at them is because in that in that song they say I don't care about how these things work. Yeah. I mean, it's so beyond me how magnets work. I don't understand anything. And they're celebrating it. And whilst there's something loving and accepting about it, and that's what you see a lot of in some of the documentaries we've watched recently and in this book, the juggalo culture is really loving and... Ex- well, on the surface, loving and accepting and um, and celebratory of each other. Mm. But it's... Um, it's not encouraging you to think outside the box. That's why when Insane Clown Posse say you can only buy our music, you can only yeah. listen to this style of music. If you listen to something else, that's fine, but don't talk about it with us. Um, it's encouraging a small-minded culture that, yes, whilst they're all at this festival once a year, which is the Gathering of the Juggalos, it's all really lovely and you get to hang out with each other, but you go back to your lives where you are, you know, very small-minded. You're probably closed off from other people because... Mm the kind of things that you follow have encouraged you to stay that way. Yeah. And it means that you will forever end up being isolated. And, and if you're already isolated, already poor, already um, kind of being a bit mocked and laughed at, mm. it, encourage, it, it, it stays that way. Um, yeah. A lot of these people go back and have regular jobs, I'm sure, but I mean, yeah, a lot I think, of them yeah. probably... I think it's Don't hard. Quite. It's hard not to. Yeah, when you talk about this sort of thing, it's like the majority. It's not definitely not saying that everybody that's into the insane clown posse is a poor uh, white person. One of the things that's quite interesting in the book actually is that um, they he says that the, it, he wrote the book at a time when loads of people going to gather the juggalos and taking like photos, like oh. really artistic photos of all these people. And he said that when he went, he was expecting everybody to be white mm. because everybody in every single picture is always white. It's always, always, always white people. And what he realised when he got there was actually he said he reckoned about 20 to 30% of people weren't white. Yeah. Um, but it's just that from the sort of bourgeoisie, artistic vice photographer's yeah. perspective, they want to show these this juggalos is, to be a very specific thing this is so the white like almost here's a, redneck here's a fat one and a skinny one yeah and he said well actually not everybody there is fat or skinny yeah and but that's how they're presented you know here's the naked girl yeah well actually not every girl is naked you know what i mean yeah like and i think a lot of it's about because you know none of us are probably going to ever i you know i would never i don't think i'd ever go to the gathering of the juggalos because no. there's so many things i'd be uncomfortable with going there but we'll never see it and so you only see it through the eyes of these White middle class people. reporters, yeah. yeah, and of course they pick out all of the well, the you know, things a that are different view, to them. A certain viewpoint. Yeah. It's not. A, it's not a genuine thing. And I think one of the really interesting things about the book is that he really tries to give quite a balanced um, opinion about it. Mm. And something else he does is he because he's come from a punk background, he does compare it to punk, the punk scene. Yeah. And I think that's quite interesting as well because there are definitely overlaps, but then equally they couldn't be more different. And yeah. one of the things he was saying, which goes back to what you were saying about how the insane clown posse are, are kind of telling all of their fans to stay where they are, mm. whereas punk literally does the exact opposite yeah. of that. It says Grow. you can do anything you want. You Just can go do and, it. Yeah, I'm doing it. And, you yeah. do it. And there aren't really any leaders. It's not like yeah. we all look at the Sex Pistols or something and think, oh, yeah. now you know they're not. There's no. There is no, nothing like that. Yeah. There, I mean, there are people that use punk to sell things to you, and mm. there are 
you know people involved in it that aren't necessarily you know a hundred percent doing it for the for the good of us all, but it's a very different setup, I suppose. Yeah, I thought it was quite an interesting uh, comparison. Um, so I don't want to overly kind of present juggalos as this really positive thing as such all the time because there's definitely a lot of problematic aspects but I think that those problematic aspects are really quite well documented so I think we for the most part we all kind of know that these people are probably you know misogynistic and homophobic and all of those things so I'm only really present so I'm not saying so I think it's important because I think if you watch any of the videos it's like there's certain things in it that are so to to the to a sort of liberal eye appears so shocking. What, you mean videos of The Gathering or videos, their music videos? Oh, I mean, the music videos, I'm talking about the Juggalos, yeah, not, okay, not the yeah, band. Yeah. The band are relatively reprehensible, Yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah. But the fans, there's a lot of things about them that I think if you just, as a, you know, as a, as a left, well, I was going to say left lean, as an extreme yeah. left um, person walking into The Gathering of the Juggalos, yeah. I wouldn't be comfortable about the idea that there's a girl, um, what is it, um, titty shots for a dollar or whatever yeah and so you can pay her a dollar and she'll show her your t- her tits or whatever i yeah i would i would say it, it's really difficult because i obviously do not agree with that whatsoever but there's what there's something about there's this two-sidedness there's this everyone's accountable to each other mm. so because there's this um weird small kind of community feel to the gathering of the jugglers you kind of, everyone is kind of looking after each other. And that's what everyone who's been there has said. They've said it really does feel like a family um, vibe. One of the things in the book is that there is minimal to none security because it's all on private land. Yeah. So there's it's no like police. A police uh, yeah, place, a biker gang owns it. Mm. So no police are allowed to go there. So that means 20,000 people are at a festival and police aren't allowed to be there. I don't they have security either. And they no, they don't. The, the only gate. security that there's there was for the uh, same clown posse. That's the only one that anyone saw. <laughs> Which so is there's, quite telling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're a little bit above it. I think so, Coolio might have had a big man. Oh, Coolio was there. <laughs> but yeah, so there's no security. So everyone's accountable to each other. So for a very problematic... who are, Everyone's very um, high, drunk... There's women getting their boobs out. There's men telling them to get their boobs out. There's lots and lots of... Um, there's bare-knuckle fighting, which is encouraged, yeah. and then everyone's all love at the end, and yada, yada, yada. But there's loads of opportunities where things could go really wrong. And especially where the music... like Not that I think music equates to um, whatever, but the outside world would hear, oh, look, all this music is about go stab each other. Mm-hmm. I wonder what their fans do. And it's not. Everyone's really accountable to each other. If someone screws up, everyone calls them out on it and says, oh, you don't do that. Yeah. Um, and, you, and generally, all of the kind of things we've read about, you don't hear of any horror stories. But on the same token, as much as everyone's looking out for each other and everyone's happy and, and, inclu- and feeling included, there's this weird thing, especially with women where women are just getting their boobs out and just being free and easy and naked for the most part. And what the women will say is that they feel empowered to do that. Mm-hmm. They feel that they can be whoever they want. It doesn't matter if they're not skinny or if they're not too big or it doesn't matter what body shape they are, they can do whatever. And of course, everyone there is saying, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. But the flip side of that is they're also being ex- like... They're being exploited because there's men saying, you can be what you want, baby. Take off your clothes and everyone thinks you're fine. But also, I've got a megaphone screaming to see your boobs. 
But then the women are saying that they don't mind. Look, it's really but that's confused. Where, that's where it's a problematic thing. And it's I think really from, I think looking at it from the outside, it's really difficult for us to judge. Because yeah, I think whatever opinion we may have doesn't actually really mean anything. Yeah. Because it's about whether those people are getting something out of this situation. I do definitely think a couple of things. One, uh, what you were talking about, about uh, how they sort of deal with each other independently. It is actually set up almost exactly like a sort of mutual aid anarchist yeah. um, c- collection of people in and and it almost it's like um it's a bit like sort of hacking bay's uh idea of kind of like autonomous spaces it's literally mm. is an autonomous space in a way that i've got to say as far as I'm aware, within the punk scene, Nothing we've never works. managed no. to create anything. Do you see that Facebook group the last three days? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And these guys can get together every year. <laughs> and, like, and so in that context, it's like it, it's quite an amazing place, but it's an amazing place where really problematic things happen. Are accepted. But there's another side to that, which is about like body shape and stuff, which I think is a, it's a really, again, it, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with it, you know, in my head. I don't know how to kind of work it out, but there's, on the one hand, there's this real acceptance of people with lots of different body shapes. You know, like you say, yeah. loads of people just walk around naked and it doesn't matter whether you're big, you're small, mm. you know what. Generally speaking, um, if you're a juggalo, you're accepted. So in that mm. context, it's like if you were gay or if you were trans or whatever, yeah. you're accepted. But then they have like a Miss Juggalette pageant mm. where people do sexy dances and much more as well by the sounds of it although i mean you know people dep- are, yeah, people are shoving things you... in themselves and popping them out and all yeah. this sort of stuff. and it's like and and the thing is is that environment and he describes this in the book and you can you can obviously imagine is just like this it's a tent of men leering sc- leering yeah. and screaming at girls to yeah. do more and more like extreme yeah. stuff as it were and so on the one hand, it's kind of like, oh, it's really amazing because they, you know, they celebrate, you know, Miss Juggalette this year is like, yeah. you know, not a normal body shape. But actually, in reality, but she put it's a really problematic. Yeah, exactly. And, and, sort of, like, and, she, and she only did that because people were screaming at exactly. her to do it. And, you know, and it's, it's so but uncomfortable, you... but it's not for us to be comfortable or uncomfortable. And it's so, so hard because if you ask that woman who won, she's probably she's really so happy. tough with herself. Yeah, exactly. But, oh, it's so, it's so confused and problematic. But it's, I, I, but and it's, that's, I mean, it's that the very thing that I find really interesting about the whole thing. Yeah. You know? um, I don't know whether it's worth mentioning at this point that um, one of the main reasons they came into the news in the last five, six years mm-hmm. was when the FBI mm. have now, I think it's still in place, yeah, yeah. they've designated the, the juggalos, the term juggalo and the, the group that are called the juggalos, um, they've designated them as a gang. They've classified them as a gang. Yeah. And this means that anyone who looks... Sorry, one thing we've actually not explained at any point is Insane Clown Posse have clown makeup. Oh, well, uh... <laughs> I don't think we've really actually said that at any point. And one thing jugglers do, you can really obviously see them, apart from their like weird 90s new metal clothing, is they've got their clown face paint on in yeah. daylight. Like, you see it often... People who are really, like, embracing it. So, anyway, it can be quite obvious if you are a juggalo. Or if you claim... If you identify as that. it's very obvious if it, you're a juggalo. Yeah. I think it is. It's <laughs> fair dressed, to say. You know, if you get dressed up. It's fair it's, to say it's that it like would be... It's saying, like, if you're a cross punk, it's fairly obvious yeah. that you're a cross punk. So, it's fairly obvious that you're a juggalo. So, it's not something you have to write down or say when you join a job, by the way, I do this. It's not like a religion as such. But people are not getting employed people mm. are losing their jobs because the fbi is designating them a gang 
people think these people who are just basically the fans are like this all-inclusive full of love but listen to this ridiculous band that talk about murder and whatever and have a face paint of a clown they're now getting told that you're as dangerous as other gangs and that you should you're going to somehow lose privileges people are getting fired from the army someone lost their kid they say that's what I keep I keep seeing that story where someone yeah. but and was it I think in 2017 there was the march on Washington yeah so basically the juggalos decided that we're going to get together and we're going to go march down to the capitol building and just say actually we're not a gang mm. <laughs> can you sort that out which they still haven't they're still classified as a gang to my knowledge well that march was quite interesting as well because um it was the same day as a make america great again march <gasps> Yeah. And I think it was something like, I don't know the exact numbers, I might get this totally wrong, but I think it was something like 6,000 Juggalos turned up. Yeah. And about 200 Make America Great Again. Yeah. And they were all in Washington. <laughs> and um, But yeah, no, it's definitely still the case. Um, it's just... Which I think is absurd. I it think is. I, I mean, I mean there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are classed of gangs that we just don't know about that it's just as absurd. But... You know, it's just it's just something that there's absolutely no basis for, but it's just another. I mean, I get I get feelings of Waco about it <laughs> as yeah. much as it's it's a group of people that we just don't understand, that don't seem to be causing anyone a problem, but because we don't know anything about them, mm. and then if you're like a, a white politician in in the Capitol building and you hear Someone all this music about like <laughs> fuck you, I'm gonna stab because I mean the lyrics are purposefully vulgar and grotesque and ridiculous and i i I don't have any place in enjoying it at all but i mean i don't enjoy it but that doesn't mean i think these people are genuinely going out there and stabbing people um but if you're stupid white person in uh in the capitol building listening to this music and you don't know who they are and they're saying they're going to do all this with all these weapons they don't have Mm. I mean, yeah, I get feelings of haven't we been here before? You're you're scared of a group you don't know. Yeah, this is uh, what you're going to do unquestionably. And I feel as well, it's again, this is where the discrimination comes in. If juggalos were all middle class, you know, With educated money. Yeah. people, then they would just be a little bit of fun. Yeah. Oh, that's just you know, that's just my son dresses as a clown at the weekend. It's a bit of fun. Yeah, but because they're not. You know, because they're mostly coming from like poor backgrounds and they're yeah. sort of the underclass, as it were, in America, which I think is growing. Yeah. Um, you know, they're really discriminated against, which I just think is, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, there's something about it that just. It definitely, it, 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 touch, it grinds something, doesn't it? Because yeah. as much as you read about all of the complications and <laughs> there's so much I don't agree with within their little, within the group and. Things that I'm not comfortable with, but it's not for me to say if I'm comfortable or not. Well, you can know. I but, mean, it is but I, say, but, uh, but I don't think any of the reasons that one is uncomfortable or um, looks upon it with any kind of, oh, that's not for me, mm. doesn't mean that you should be classified as a gang yeah, and yeah, yeah. discriminate against in that way. Mm. Because these are people that are owning where they are, not seeking to better themselves, which is totally up to them. Why should you seek to do that, especially if it's out of your means or especially if you don't care for it, if you're happy yeah. as you are? But that shouldn't be a reason to be encouraged... Like, other people shouldn't be encouraged, therefore, to be rude and horrible to you. Mm. Um, which, again, for the most part, they don't give a shit. It's just, for as long as they're classified as a gang, they appear to be something that they're not. But 
That's yeah, really I interesting. Should, I should probably say that over the years there's been a, so there are there are some there's a handful of quite good potential things that have come out of this. Sorry to keep you know again. I, I think we all know what the negatives are, so I'm just sort of concentrating on the good. One of them is that um, the one thing I will say about Insane Clown Posse is that they are very, very clearly anti-racist. Mm. And they do have songs. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's actually quite a good one called, I think it's called Fuck Your Rebel Flag or something. Mm. And it's not, it's, it probably, it's probably the best song, but maybe it's just because I can get behind it. But, um, and I do sort of think, to some extent, looking at the, you know, again, kind of looking at the fans that they have, probably an anti-racist message going into those places in America is probably quite a good thing. Um, yeah. Other than that, I, I don't get behind probably any other insane clown posse lyric, uh, to, oh, my Christ, no. to my knowledge. <laughs> no. um, but within the within the jugglers, there are various movements that seem to be going on. I think um, there's something called Struggle Circus, yeah. which is a radical a bunch of radical activists. They were very much behind the march on the Capitol, yeah. um, and that's a it's a it's a collection of juggalos mixed with like radicals from i think they're based in san francisco and um and so they're actually really taking on you know trying to do like political work which i think is quite interesting um there is a feminist juggalo group yes um so that's quite cool they got ron jeremy fired um, from that, because he used to yeah. he used to be at all of the gathering of the juggalos, and he used to do the Miss Juggalo the pageant, pageant yeah. and he was he was he was the encourager he, of yeah. do vulgar things, do more. And so and they did, and so they actually got him fired, and they did listen, and they did actually you know insane clown bossy or whoever's in control of the thing yeah. did actually fire them. So I mean, there are some kind of like slightly forward thinking things going on. I think if you look at the thing. In it, on its whole, though, it doesn't look it doesn't look very no, cool thinking at all. It's... And I do think that that sorry, I keep saying this thing, but I do think it's because there is such a disconnect between the insane clown posse themselves, yeah, which is what, of course, everybody sees, really, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that's the that's the thing that's being projected. If anyone's going to see anything, and then these poor fucking people that just really like them, yeah. And whilst you can question a little bit why they would like them, and you can question maybe some of their behaviours and stuff. It's the insane clown posse that are, that are they're the scumbags here. They are the scumbags. But the thing is, it's hard. They've put out this message, which for the most part is lovely, and it's connected all of these people together. But then they're not a part of that anymore. So they're like, look, we're all we're all poor and unprivileged together. Mm. Let's look after each other because everyone else is going to think you're shit. So don't connect with these shit people. Connect with each other and support each other and be a nice presence in the world. But also, we've earned loads of money. And we're not poor. And you can only buy our stuff. So we're going to keep getting really, really rich whilst you continue to be poor. But don't worry, we're still with you. You're still our family. But we're only at the, you know, we're only at the gathering the juggalo for a bit. Um, mm. the suck it. The rest, of, yeah, we've got security, <laughs> but the rest of you can literally do what you want. Also, I think they're living out their dreams in a lot of ways. So this is another thing that I don't think we've really mentioned is that one of the things that uh, one of all of the parts of the of juggalo culture mm. is basically just all the shit that they like. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, so one of the things, and it says this in the book, is that obviously they kind of got big when they were probably like late teens. Yeah. And so they never, you know, as a result, they've just lived this life since they were really young. And so they've, you know, good on them, nor have I. Like, they've obviously never really grown up. And so all of the shit that they liked as kids, which is professional wrestling, yeah, uh, which is Fago, which is, I'm still buzzing off. Boobs. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> la- ladies. <laughs> ladies with boobs. Um, 
and just shit like so I will talk about it in a little while we're going to be covering one of their movies and like you know they've <sighs> made these movies that you know and oh they also really like ninjas because they used oh, to yeah, watch ninjas. so they call everybody ninjas and every all of the jugglers call each other hey yeah. ninja and that's just because they really like yeah. kung fu films so it's this they kind say of like, whoop, whoop to each other so that's how all jugglers talk to yeah. each other which is why we've kept whooping yeah just in case anyone was wondering <laughs> so it's this kind of thing where they've just hung on to all of these funny little interests that they've got yeah which i quite like in a way although that you know i, love, quite, I, I kind of respect that to some extent i like that there's no further thought to it and it just is what it is there's yeah. something very wonderfully like i don't need a reason you can just do what you want yeah but, Except, well, there is that. So that again, but you can't. Yeah, now you follow message, me. Yeah, it? <laughs> it's like you can do what you want, but you've got to do what we want. Yeah, we you know? made it up in the first place based on just because we could. Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, because you're not actually the same as us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's problematic, but it's been. I've really enjoyed the last two weeks of uh, diving into. Juggalo nonsense. I would encourage everyone to do it. There's a few things um, we could probably put links in our little playlists. Yeah, I'll put a load of stuff on the YouTube playlist. Yeah. Which, uh, which there's so you found a really good thing, which was a guy from the BBC that went. Yeah, and he, and he did it in good, a. He had a good attitude. Well, he yeah he had a good, he had an attitude similar to the person who wrote Juggalo Country, and except that he's not really trying to dissect it intellectually the way that the guy who wrote Juggalo Country is. He's mm. just going there to experience it. But in an empathetic way, yeah. Um, and he does, and he he he, he must spends like, about he 30... must like soft rock and R and B. But he does. He spends about. Uh, he doesn't spend too long looking at the uh, complications and the uh, no. things he's not comfortable with. But he does make note of it. Yeah. Um, but it is mostly just trying to understand it rather than to critique it. Whereas the book understands and critiques. Oh, well, I think as well. But remember that watching. the guy who wrote the book is like a, you know, he's like an anarchist. You know. He's, yeah, he's yeah, kind yeah. Of a, he's, he's a, he's much more. I imagine that guy from the BBC was just sort of. Oh, he, he, a, a normal dude. He works with been, Scott Mills on Radio yeah. One. So I don't he'd be, know he'd be uncomfortable is. with like really over the top sexism, but he wouldn't necessarily pick it apart as a sort of no. patriarchal I uh, think society. He, created but you know well he watched um twisted play which is the other big uh, juggalo mm. band and i think um his little mind was blown he was like god this yeah. is the best thing they've got big balloons yeah. and then they go to a phone i'm party. gonna be going home and listening to them yeah. when i get home one thing about <laughs> it is you should definitely watch it because for some reason um, he's there about two minutes his tour guide is a man in a bikini called Mankini, that's just his name. He's in um, Venice, that guy the... seems like a fucking dude. Oh, he's I, so nice, yeah, I, like I really him. liked him. And then within about two minutes, he asks, he goes, Mankini, why is everyone showing me their butthole? And he goes, well, it's the year of the butthole. <laughs> and we're like, oh, why? And he just goes, you go, show me your butthole. And people literally spread their cheeks and yeah, show you their asshole. Yeah, yeah. um, they have to pixelate so out the... Uh... In, like, not that it makes it any better, but all genders are getting very naked at this thing. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's definitely exploitative to women, but you also see a lot of buttholes you don't want to see. <laughs> anyway, we'll put a link to that because it's on. there is a crappy version on YouTube. It's on BBC iPlayer if anyone has it, yeah. um, but um, it's on YouTube anyway. I'll, I'll put a bunch of the stuff that we've watched up. Yeah. Um, and I will... And the I book's will, worth I'll it. tell you what else I'll include. I'll include what we're going to be uh, Discussing talking next. about in a minute after yeah. this next song, which is Big Money Hustlers there. Film from 2000, but you'll have to wait to hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I feel like this conversation's been a bit more serious than people might have expected if they had any opinion on what a juggalo was. But it's been fun. Yeah. I've loved finding out I about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It has been. It has been the, oh, sorry. One thing that I haven't enjoyed finding out about them. Because oh. one of the things that I thought to myself... So I started, read the book, and I was kind of watching a few things on uh, YouTube and what have you. 
And then I thought I'm going to do a deep dive on this music and I'm going to find the really good juggling oh, bands. I've got to say, there aren't any. I couldn't find a single song. <laughs> I don't think. There's one Twisted song I didn't hate. So Twisted, I think, are definitely better. But I will say the Insane Clown Posse, particularly, well, like if you because if you just do a search on YouTube, yeah. obviously it's their more recent stuff. Yeah. So that album that I've got, The Great Malenko, is all right. It's got a couple of good things on it. I don't mind it. Yeah. But everything they've done recently like there was what they do that shit you know that um <laughs> they do a cover of jump around oh they do get that's loony right. yeah no that's all right but no but they do that one there's that one that's jump really up, up, really like current and one of them singing like Cher does on believe you know he's what? got have you not we watched it together i don't remember it now oh my god oh there's also like, um there's one we listen to every Christmas. Oh yeah. Oh sorry, that's actually where this whole thing came from. We've told <laughs> we've told this story in such a fucking weird back ass way. But yeah, so every Christmas Oh god the only time we've ever listened to the insane clown posse is that one Christmas, when we first moved to Hastings, I think, we found the song Santa is a fat bitch uh, <laughs> and put it on our Christmas playlist. And now We listen to Insane we, Clown Posse every Christmas morning. Every Christmas day. Oh god! It's replaced the Phil Spector Christmas album. You know that group that we've been really hard not to be rude about, and we're trying to be really empathetic towards. Turns out, <laughs> no, Fago on Christmas Day. Fago on Christmas Day. See you there. Let's play a song, uh, and it won't be the insane clown posse. Although whoop whoop. Although whoop 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs> So, this song is by a band called Attesta. The song is called Killing Machine. They are a band from Hastings, Brighton, Eastbourne. They're all this sort of way. I, I think, they just, I think they're all along the coast. Between all Hastings along the coast down here. <laughs> and they're quite new in as much as well, they, they got together a... just before, um, well, quite a while before uh, the pandemic. Well, they but then they haven't been able to play. To a gig yet, so play. I think it was, uh, yeah, it could. Have it, they played? They haven't played. No, they haven't played. No. I think I think they got they, they got it all sorted just before the pandemic, and then and then they haven't been able to play. But, but they've they, got loads of gigs booked. They now, are I playing. Think. What's it called first? Ooh, hey! So this was just released on Bandcamp. They've got a new LP coming. Which is waiting for it to be pressed. I think it's at the presses. It's at the it, presses. It takes forever to get vinyl press at the moment because uh, of I don't know, like COVID or Brexit uh, or both. All, all the shit things. Yeah. Well, and go also, on. what's it helping out with that release? So we'll, oh, nice one. When it is done, we'll have it. But you can go listen to it on Bandcamp now, go get that downloaded. So this is a tester with Killing Machine.
So this episode's movie review is going to be Juggalo themed, um, but before we do so, we're going to crack into another Fago. The last Fago of the fridge. The last Fago of the fridge. This one's Rock and Rye. What the fuck is that? I don't know, but it's 140 calories and it's 72% bar sugars. Hmm. This one's got red 40 in it. Again, every single one's got red 40 in it. Oh, I think this one's like cream soda, I think. Are you ready? Oh, God, no. That doesn't sound good. Oh, it smells like pudding. Oh, I'm not going to enjoy... Oh, it's the same colour as the last one. They're all red. They all look a bit red, aren't they? I thought one of... I'm pretty, I had one in, um, when we were in LA. I had one. and I'm sure it was orange. Like, I thought it was bright blue. Maybe I had two. <laughs> I think you did have two. You were very unwell. <laughs> oh, no, it's a bit... It's, it's got a deeper colour, yeah. I would say, this one. Oh, oh it really... smells like cola bottles. Uh, not cola bottles, cola cubes. Cola cubes. Oh, it does. Do you remember it? them? That's how, that's what all my puddings smell like. <laughs> oh, it tastes like vanilla. It tastes a bit like ice cream. Oh, I don't mind that. Oh, you can drink this. Rock and rye. All your Fago needs. Cream soda. So that's our last Fago of the day. Ooh, and uh, without further ado, we're going to move on to the review of the movie Big Money Hustlers from the year 2000. Clown sex. Insane violence. Mind-blowing effects. Is Big Money Hustlers, starring Violent J, Shaggy Two Dope, Jamie Madrox, and the Monoxide Child. The critics agree. Our movie's the sh- Big Money Hustlers, straight to home video and in stores now. The wicked class will never die. This movie's not rated and may be unsuitable for just about anyone. And what is the plot to this film, you ask? We ask the very same question. <laughs> <laughs> but according to IMDb, it's New York City, and the crime lord Big Baby Sweets has got New York City around his finger. The NYPD is helpless, so the chief sends out for Sugar Bear, a 70s dolomite-worshipping rhyming supercop from San Francisco, to stop Big Baby, his magic ninjas, Hack Benjamin, and his two sidekicks, Big Stank and Little Poop, along with the help of Harry Cox. I don't remember a Hack Benjamin. The characters weren't clear in this. No. I mean, some of them are played by the same um, actor. (laughs) And Hack Benjamin was... um, The person who played Hack Benjamin, who was also Shaggy Two Dope's... um, No, Violent J's brother. Oh, yeah. He played a number of characters in this. I think Violent J's brother might be in control of a lot of their business uh, things. He's also a wrestler. Oh. In the... In the... um... In JCW. Yeah. (laughs) So not a real wrestler. (laughs) So, yeah. Loosely, it's like... Pretend a black exploitation style excuse of a film. I don't really know how to describe it any better than that. And Violent J is like the baddie who's asking where his money is, motherfucker. And uh, Shaggy um, Two Date plays the 70s style cop who gets called in to help. And all he does is uh, everything he says is in the rhyme. Yeah, that's, um, that bit gets really which is horrendous. Sure. Yeah. And it's about him trying to stop uh, Violent J's gang. Um, the, yeah, the police that's... officer that uh, Shaggy Two Dope uh, goes up with is called uh, Harry Cox, Harry which Cox. is obviously Harry Cox. Yeah, that's the sort that's... of level of 
humour that humour is oh. humour the right word I mean we every week we say we're going to review a trash film and every week we accidentally watch like a really good like it's probably still technically trash but it is really good this is worse than Snake Out of Compton like this is this is it bad it definitely is worse I mean Snake Out of Compton was good but it, it um... this is the worst film we've watched so far I think name something good about the film um, Big Money Hustlers so here's the thing with Big Money Hustlers the first 20 minutes, which yeah. which I thought was the first hour, yeah. <laughs> I thought to myself, this is all right, this, is all right. this isn't too bad. It sort of reminded me of a few things. I thought that they actually did, to some extent, yeah. sort of pushing it. But they did the sort of 70s grindhouse exploitation type of film. At times they did that quite well. They caught like a lot of the shots, I thought, really kind of... Almost. Almost looked yeah. right. And I kind, I actually found them slightly more charming than I was expecting. Definitely. So Violent J is obviously, and we'll get on to the funding of this film and the ideas <laughs> behind it in a minute, but he comes off really well. Yeah. In fact, so does the other one, actually. I think the other one does, too. Yeah. And, and so... A really well sorry is massively pushed. Please, <laughs> please don't go watch this and then think, Siobhan totally, totally agrees with every, every choice made in this film. Because believe me. Oh, my God, I do not. <laughs> so if that had been at the first hour and then there had only been about 10 minutes left... So if I the film was 30 minutes be, long... No, but I expected it. it to be sort of a short <laughs> film. But it, and it was shortish, but it was like an hour and 40 or yeah, something. I kind of thought it was going to be like a, more like a music video, you know, like an hour or something. Yeah. Like, I remember... like it's feature it did, length. Because it did remind me a little bit of the Guar films, to oh, some okay. extent. And it was made, I think, probably on a similar sort of budget. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were... Mm. Um, Influenced quite a lot by those Guar films when they made it, but maybe that's given. Guar have played the Gathering of the Juggalos, so they they must know them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, couldn't be more different in some ways. Yeah. Similar in others, but um, yeah. but you know, so there was things about it that initially, but when I when I clicked the thing to to check how much longer was left, I saw you do that. <laughs> and when I saw that it was twenty minutes, I was quite flabbergasted, and honestly, that at that point, I was lost. Then it's a lot of the same thing happening over and over and over again. Yeah. And if that same thing just happened once and then Might it finished, right. I would have probably thought, yeah, it's not the greatest film, but it was all right. <laughs> but watching them do it over and over and over again, the humour level, if you can sort of call it that, it's is... Immature at best. <laughs> well, but it's not only that it's immature. I don't mind immature humour. It's that, like, one of the jokes was definitely that one of them said, is this your name? And he said, that's my name, don't wear it out. Like, that's the sort of... Le- oh, you know, yeah, he like, did, yeah. That's kind of like the level of... That's kind of like, here's a joke. I've got yeah. a really... I've written a really zinging script here. Yeah. I've got... And, like, there was... Lo- and just things like Harry Cox. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm Someone might have been able to do it with charm, but these motherfuckers can't. Well, and then they also have... Um... There's a bit where Violent J is. He's he's the gang leader and he's got his gang together and there's a priest and there's a um, a man who steals gold and there's a woman who's got the most magusive boobs. And he just goes round each one of them ridiculously slowly with the most stilted dialogue and goes, and you! And then names them. Yeah. And where's my money, motherfucker? And then they do a little bit of a spiel about whether they have money or not. And then he either accepts the money or shoots them. And that's fine once or twice. But there's a table of eight of them. And he goes to each one of them <laughs> with the exact... Like, this whole scene takes about 
30 minutes. It doesn't take that long, but it takes a really it long time. It feels like it. That's what I mean, though. Yeah. It feels like it takes To do minutes, but... absolutely very little. I yeah. think he ends up killing half of them anyway. So the next well, I think that quicker. the idea of that is that they're introducing the characters. And the, and the frustrating they... <laughs> thing about that is that to some some of those characters, not all, yeah. but some of those characters, it's kind of like, oh, that's quite quirky. Like, the guy yeah. that steals gold is, like, covered, is so over the top. He's painted he's like, gold He's painted as well. gold. He's wearing, like, a gold hat. Yeah. He's got these ridiculous rings mm. that are bigger than his hands. And th- that's the sort of thing that reminded me of Guar. And it's like, yeah. if that was just, like, a tiny little snippet of the film, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that gold guy was quite funny. Yeah. Cool. But... but you have to, he just, they've obviously only got one set, I guess, with him mm. in it. So he's always just sat on a chair and then he basically just asks him where his money is. And I think they go back and do that whole scene again. They do do that scene again, but he's killed three he's of them the first time round, yeah. so it's a bit quicker. But yeah, that's that's sort of painful. But so what I like, what do I like? Misfits are in it. That's one of the things that I wouldn't necessarily say that I like. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, the 90s version of the Misfits with Michael Graves and uh, Dr. Chud is in it. But they're not. They all they do is um, at one point. This is another. This is what I'm talking about with the humour. One of the really funny things that happens <laughs> is that the police. Are you ready? They yeah. like donuts. Oh, they do, uh, don't they? And they even it go to a restaurant a called Donut Hut. Uh. <laughs> so that's the sort of level of how funny it is. And when they go to this place called Donut Hut. Uh, the fucking misfits are just sitting there eating donuts and drinking Covered coffee. Covered in blood. <laughs> and then uh, there's a and they don't do anything. Really. No. Uh, well, one no. of them one of them throws a donut. Yeah, out the the, the shitty policeman tries to look hard in front of the misfits, so gets his gun out, and then the misfits throw a donut at him, and he goes, "Oh no!" And, and then, that's it. <laughs> yeah. But again, I think that was set up as like a really hilarious thing. Yeah. But I mean, it's you know, I don't know. The misfits are in it's quite cool, I suppose. Um, there's a good bit where a gorilla um, holds up the donut heart. He comes in and he asks for all of his money. And so Shaggy Two Dope comes and does a DDT on him, and it just turns. Into, and there's another bit where suddenly a wrestling ring appears, and they just have a wrestle for a while. That's uh, with Mick Foley. With Mick Foley, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's Cactus Sack because he can't call himself Cactus Jack. Oh, because Mick what, McMahon owns that name. Well, no, so yeah, that is probably true. But actually, Cactus Sack came from a insane clown posse video. In which, at some point in the 90s, they got a load of... Before, like, loads of people had seen, like, Japanese death matches and stuff. Oh, yeah. They got... I don't know if they got the rights or if they... I don't think they got any rights. I think they just... <laughs> they ain't got no rights. They got the videos of a bunch of... I think they were all Japanese, but if not, they were, like, all really independent, like, death matches and stuff. Yeah. And then they made up a pair of characters and they did fake commentary and they oh. they named all... So this was long before anyone knew who Mick Foley was. Oh, and really? so his name was Cactus Jack in Japan, I guess. And yeah. so they called him Cactus Sack because that's like the level of their hilarity. Yeah. And he was against like, I don't know, like probably a big guy who they called like Fatty Fatty Fat Fat. So yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it would have yeah. been that like level of... Um, and that became... I remember that video being around. I think that was before... I think I don't know if that was... That probably wasn't before they got big. It must have been after I'd heard of them. But that video was kind of considered in the same way that like Jackass was considered funny. Ones. Oh, okay. It's that kind of, I remember a lot of people going on about how hilarious they were pretending to like doing fake um, yeah. wrestling thing. But anyway, that's where oh, Captain okay. Sack comes oh, from. Oh, I don't know. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rudy Ray Moore is in it. Dolomite. Dolomite. So, I mean, he's dreadful in it and he doesn't really do anything. And he's not in it for very long. Worth. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I, I don't think I like anything else about it. Oh, no. there's a very... We've talked a little bit... Sorry, oh God, I don't want to go too serious with fucking big money hustlers. But there is quite... this. I think there's a bit in this film that really summed up my confusion about uh, 
misogyny within oh, the juggalo world. I feel like this film doesn't confuse it. I think this film shows it for what no, it is. Yeah, but there's just one little thing mm. that it just it just shows the kind of weirdness of this whole thing. So, Shaggy Dude Two Dope's character, which is like the main good guy, yeah. goes to a strip club and there's a load of strippers stripping and doing whatever. And then a really heavy girl comes mm. out and does a bit of a strip. Uh, his character, or whatever he, you know, falls in love with this big girl. Mm. And they have this long sex scene. 24 hours. 24 hours. The, there's scene, 24 hours it? of crime it, yeah. going on whilst they're doing it. But, so, in some ways, if you took that just off, you know, just as, as that's all that it was... You could sort of say, oh, that's quite interesting. You'd never see that in a Hollywood film. Yeah. You'd never see the main character, the sort of hero of the film, fall in love with um, when a there's all plus these size skinny girl. women. Yeah. yeah. He picks the... Yeah. And so so there's that. So, that you know, that's just kind of how the story goes. And if you yeah. just took that away from it. But whilst this is all going on, they do shit like... There's one point where she falls over... And they do this kind of big gong sound as mm. if like a, a tower's fallen over. There's one point where the baddie wants to try and uh, he kills her. The baddie kills her in the end, mm. and or the or the ninjas. They yeah. get some evil ninjas at one point. Magic ninjas. And so they, and they, what they do is they put a load of food between her bed and them yeah. to like get to her lure in. her out. And then they um, but so not only is that like obviously ridiculously horrible. But also, when she's doing this, they do like Godzilla. Fi- Whenever she takes a step, they put this little sound effect on it that's like oh. boom, boom. So it's kind of like, on the one hand, it's like the word, on the one hand, it's like this message, yeah. which is like, our hero has fallen in love with this plus size girl yeah. and is in love with her. You know, that's the, half, that's the love story, if yeah. there is one within this film. But then on the other hand, they just do these ridiculously like trite, insulting things about how she's a big girl yeah and i do think there's something about that that i just thought that just totally sums up everything i've i've kind of come to understand about these bloody juggalos they do these things that if you look at them in one light it's horribly like unpleasant yeah and if you look at it in another light it's like really empowering and really cool for them i mean there is this one that scene alone i was like is it is it not fair enough but the scene where he's shooting his gang members, there's a woman who has absolutely ridiculous plus size boobs. She who, must be famous. For well, she's called Clarissa Cleavage in real life. Two <laughs> okay, K's. Of course she is. Yeah. Two K's. Yeah. I mean, her and the woman who plays the plus size stripper, they're both um, ex porn stars. Okay. So. I mean, I'm not. I'm surprised. Not, I would which think, is fine. I would think the only people they could but, get to yeah, their it film kind of probably. it kind of sums up their kind of maybe willingness to do this. But they have. A, she has a perfectly good scene. She reads some dialogue, which she then follows with, "Oh, you're going to win an Oscar for that." Yeah. To straight to the camera, and you're like, "Okay, well, she's the only woman in it so far." And then she delivers her lines, and then they're about to move on past her, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, this is for you at home." And he just basically gives her a nod, and she shows his bo- her boobs for an oh, elongated five seconds. Yeah. And they like that bit so much, he's in the trailer. And yeah, he comes back and he's like, don't say anything to, you know, he's saying directly down the camera, don't say anything, give you anything. I hate that and shit as well. He as does soon that as so that much. happened, I was just like, I knew that you were misogynistic and awful, but that is disgraceful. But I mean, but he, he does a lot of that. He does a lot of camera. that shit where he, yeah, and there's like loads of bits, and I think they're supposed to be funny. 
Although it might actually just be that they're this bad, but I don't think it could be. Where he like forgets his lines, or like he's obviously reading them off the back of. He's holding well, he gets, like a gun at one yeah. point, and he's obviously reading lines. But well, he gets the gun. a piece of paper out, yeah. and he puts it back in his pocket, but and then so, carries on. But I think but that's I think supposed he, to be a joke. Yeah, I think he thinks he's hilarious. But it's so another work. another thing to say about the film is the company that financed the film gave them two hundred fifty thousand dollars to make it, which was a major record label, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, like, and then they um, ran out of money pretty quick. Refused to give them any more money so Violent J put the extra 100,000 in <laughs> but during that time the extra week two weeks that the crew was there the record company refused to pay so that money was to fund the film but the crew didn't get paid for the last two weeks but you can just take so Violent J wrote the thing Yeah. Um, he wrote it in a month he just, I thought he, just he said came a week oh was it a week it, it might be a week it certainly feels like it was written in a week it definitely I think I don't know but it took it took two months to film the entire thing I think mm. um, and it's just it is very much his kind of he's he's the only one giving it some in the film and you can tell he's very proud of it yeah um, but I think I don't know. I think he's little. I think I prefer out of the two of them. He seems like the more psychopathic, and I think there's something about yeah. Shaggy Two Dope that I, although I'm sure he's just as unpleasant and probably, probably is an awful man. There's something about him that I feel. I don't know. He feels he like, like a little one. lost teenager. Yeah. Sort of thing. And I, I don't know what I don't know why that is, but he definitely in this he seems like he's. He's he's trying. He's trying I feel his like best, he's trying really The other hard. guy seems ridiculously like overly confident, and he seems like he's a little boy that's been given his opportunity to sort of live his dream. Yeah. Um, some of the other things that I quite enjoyed learning about this film. So obviously the misfits are in it. Um, Violent J has some real opinions of Jerry Only. <laughs> um, so according to Violent J's audiobook, Behind the Paint, Jerry Only. Um, who appeared with the rest of them in the in in the donut shop became a nightmare on stage. <laughs> he said all the other rest of the band they uh, they were awesome and left on day one of filming. Jerry only stayed and was was somewhat of a nightmare, returning most shooting days with his grandmother's Italian meatball recipe day after day. <laughs> he would suddenly start talking about classic rock gigs such as Sid Vicious and <laughs> would begin rubbing your back as I was trying to eat lunch and totally weirding me out. He also had a stage mum-like presence for his son, who briefly appeared as an altar boy at the beginning, which Jay didn't understand, seeing it was a nothing non-speaking part. Jay said he was truly happy once Jerry Only was gone for good because then he couldn't harass the other actors and himself anymore. <laughs> I get the impression that everyone's happy when Jerry Only leaves. <laughs> I know, don't really I mean obviously I love the misfits but, but I, I love I love the idea of all of the misfits being there on day one. They all go home and Jerry Only sat there with his meatballs touching everyone up <laughs> while his son's in one part. Like that's I not his, didn't happen. His son ended up um drumming for the misfits like you know oh, really? like the last time before they reform with dancing <laughs> and everything. I think he was the drummer on the last really shit Misfits album that he put out where it was just him and Des Cadena and, and his son playing drums. I mean, they're, they're a complicated lot anyway, aren't they? But, well, what, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's that much to say about Big Money Hustlers, really. It's, um... I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no. Uh, is that enough? Uh, do you want to give it a score out of ten? Ooh, I think it's a solid... I mean, I've watched it. I've wasted my life on it. Did I like any bit of it? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it it would be a zero it was more watchable than I thought it was going to be and so for that I will give it a 
Somewhere between a 0.75 and a 1. Bloody hell. Yeah. You're getting involved in... I mean, it's... Because if points. I give it a 1 or a 1.5, then I feel like it's gone too high. <laughs> so it's it's somewhere between it's somewhere between 3 quarters and a 1 out of 10. So I've lost the way with these scores completely, and I can't remember Are what I've given other things. you just making up? Doesn't matter. No, I know, but I think Mission of Justice I might have given 1 to. What? Last time. So good. Did I imagine that? I think you're an idiot if you did. <laughs> and I think this was probably... It's better than that. <gasps> you think this is better than Mission of Justice? I think it had more things in it that I enjoyed. Um, Mission of Justice is way better. <laughs> way better. I'm offended. All right, I'm just going to give it one because I'm because <laughs> I think that's probably what it deserves. Really, yeah. uh, it's it's available on YouTube if you ever wanted to watch it for any reason, but uh, <laughs> but don't. But no. Um, so we're going to move on from that. Um, whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. That's our last Juggalo content, so we should probably get one in. <laughs> um, I'm going to play an old song now from the 90s. Uh, this is a band from the northeast of England called Servo. They were on Crackle Records, which was an amazing pop punk label that is still actually operating in some way uh, right now. I think they might even be releasing something uh, quite soon, but um, but they don't do nearly as much as they used to do. They used to release loads of uh, really great seven inches from loads of really good uh, UK bands and a few international ones as well. Um this song is called What You Say. It's from a split seven inch uh, that came out on Snuffy Smile uh, years and years ago. It is still available on a CD, which is called Everything, uh, which you can still get from Crackle. Um, I think you can listen to it on um, Bandcamp as well, but it's not on Spotify, so I figured it, I was allowed to pick it, <laughs> even though I've made these rules. And I you can pick, can pick what you like. Um, but yeah, so this is Servo with What You Say. Yeah. 
took me by surprise. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting one last one in. I'm done now. I'm out. So Ninja that... out. <laughs> Sorry. So that was episode eight of Breakfast Punks Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that all of our talk about jugglers didn't put you off too much and that you got something out of it. Um, go, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and also our YouTube channel. Go to subscribe for that because we're going to put playlists up. Well, we, Dave has kindly put a playlist up for every episode. So any of the little tidbits that we might mention throughout, um, there's links to things on there. This is going to have so much jugglers. This is going to be quite We've really, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done this as a kind of... But all the other ones are really good as well. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, make sure you're following on all those things. And of course, we're always here for feedback so if you've got any if you any shout outs or anything like that or just anything we like to hear from people yeah um yeah find us on instagram uh at breakfast punks podcast uh, or email us uh sham city roasters at gmail.com and i think that's it yeah. till next time whoop 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 but this fago by the way it's getting a bit much it's fucking disgusting i mean it's on my teeth it's got <laughs> Yeah, the first sip tasted alright, but I mean we're three cans in and I feel very unwell. Yeah. Let's um let's let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna leave you with a song as we always do. I think I'm not wrong in saying that this is gonna be the heaviest music that we've played on this Ooh. podcast yet. I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> we've had a few heavy things, but I think this one might uh, take the biscuit. Um it's by a fucking brilliant band called Victim Unit. They're from Reading. It's from their EP, Hopeless Failure, which is out on a fair record on a cassette. came out last year. Um, I absolutely fucking love this band. I really do. And I really would check out that EP. It's brilliant. It's It's up on Bandcamp. This song is called Crick, and we are going to leave you with it. And thank you so much for listening. And That's a whoop whoop from me. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. (laughs) Give me that money, motherfucker. (laughs) Peace out.